This podcast was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the television and movies being covered here would not exist. We stand with the writers and actors and support their call for equitable and fair treatment for everyone in the industry. You can support those on strike by making a donation at entertainmentcommunityfund.org, which will go to a writer, actor, or other entertainment worker in need. You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ha! Got him! That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Ahsoka and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tim. How's it going, Tim? What's up, Kyle? It's going good because we are officially in the month of Ahsoka, and I couldn't be more excited. So <laughs> glad that the show is just now just weeks away, other than months and years away, which as it's been before. We're just weeks away now, and I can't wait. Yeah, definitely. It's it's coming up quick. We're like three weeks away now. Um, the hype is definitely starting to build. It's funny because like I kind of feel like whatever, like the the Star Wars project that I'm most excited for is always like the next one out. Um, but at the same time, I am starting to really feel a, a sense of hype and excitement for this one that I maybe haven't felt with some of the last few projects. And that's not to say that I haven't been excited for, you know, Obi-Wan and Book of Boba Fett and stuff like that, because I definitely have been, um, but just not quite to this level where we know that we're going to get to see Ahsoka and Sabine and Thrawn and, you know, just all these beloved characters coming together and, um, just, I don't know, this to me is feeling like um, kind of like a new chapter of like mainline Star Wars uh, more than some of these other stories where it's like, oh, you know, we're telling a story about Mandalorians or about, you know, Boba Fett and the crime syndicates on Tatooine or something like that. No, it's like, this is, you know, a Jedi adventure with lightsabers and force powers at the heart of it, but also like going to be seeing a lot with like conflicts between the new Republic and the, the remnants of the empire. And I think it's just going to be like some big, sort of galaxy shaping stuff. So super excited um, for that coming up in three weeks. Um, and, you know, to uh, kind of continue along that journey, and get us ready for the show, we figured we'd do an episode and just kind of talk about, um, just look back on Ahsoka's journey through the years and uh, where the character started from and kind of our our perceptions of the character and our favorite moments of her stories along the way. Um, 
So that's what we're going to spend most of our time talking about for this episode. Before we jump into that, did want to go over just a couple of news items that we uh, either just haven't gotten to yet or kind of skipped over on our last episode. Um, one of which being uh, that the um, nominations for this year's Emmy Awards were announced recently um, and uh, got a, quite a lot of nominations for Lucasfilm projects with uh, 23 nominations in 21 different categories between Andor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, The Mandalorian, and the Light and Magic documentary show. Um, and in total, there were five nominations for... Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, eight for Andor and nine for the Mandalorian. Um, so it's cool to see, you know, of course these shows that we love get, uh, you know, some nice awards recognition, um, especially in a year where we had some really great shows, especially with Andor, like Andor got nominated for outstanding drama series, um, which, uh, I think Mandalorian also has been nominated for in the past for like one of the first two seasons, but, um, I've been rewatching Andor recently and like, that really is a fantastic show. Mm. And I know there's some other good competition this year from some other good shows, but, um, I feel like when Mandalorian got nominated, it was like, oh, cool. A star Wars thing got nominated for best drama. But now with Andor, I'm like, I feel like Andor should have a legitimate shot to win. Like, I don't know if it will, but if like, it's gotta be in like the top half of the contenders, you know? Um, so, you know, congrats to everybody that worked on those shows. It's awesome to, uh, to see them getting that recognition and, uh, hope they come away with some wins. Yeah, that'd be great. Especially with as many nominations as they got, it'd be nice if they <laughs> kind of clean up of the majority of them, like not expecting all, but hopefully for some of those big categories too. Like you said, Andor being for best drama, then Obi-Wan up for best limited series too. It's just great that these Star Wars shows are kind of being recognized in those categories. So. Um, I know Star Wars, at least for the Oscars, and Emmys are a little different, but <laughs> Star Wars doesn't have the best um, record when it comes to awards, but TV-wise, they do do better than the movies, so hopefully that kind of like continues with this year's Emmys, with all these different shows being nominated at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I will say uh, one thing that I think is kind of a snub, and especially as I've been re-watching Andor again, like the fact that none of the actors in that show got nominated for any of the acting categories is kind of a shame because, yeah, um, I mean, Diego Luna, Stellan Skarsgård, Genevieve O'Reilly, uh, Andy Serkis, like those guys are all fantastic, and it would have been nice to at least see one or two of them um, get nominated. I think all four of those ones that I just mentioned, I think they're all deserving of nominations, but... Um, unfortunately, like I said, you know, stiff competition right now from uh, a lot of other great actors on great shows. So, um, but yeah, great nonetheless to just see them, you know, get that much recognition, get all these nominations. Um, and yeah, hope they come away with some wins. Like you said, I think, you know, Star Wars has a better track record with the Emmys, especially in, in recent years, um, than they have with Oscars. And I know Mando has won, a, I'm pretty sure Mando's already won a few awards, um, so, yeah, hopefully they can just, uh, you know, win some more this year and add to the total. Yep, that would be nice. But um, speaking of Star Wars series, we actually got an unexpected update recently on the Lando series of all things. Um, and I think there was starting to be a little more buzz around this recently just because, um, I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things that pops up every few months where it's like somebody will ask Donald Glover about it or ask Kathleen Kennedy about it or something like that. Uh, but Justin Simeon, who uh, was slated to be the showrunner on this show, um, he also directed the Haunted Mansion movie for Disney that just came out recently. And so he was on the red carpet doing press for that and stuff. And I think got a couple of questions about it. Um, and shortly thereafter, it was kind of surprisingly announced that 
Justin Simeon actually is no longer involved in that show. Um, and Donald Glover and his brother Stephen are now uh, attached as kind of the head writers or showrunners. Um, I don't know about showrunners, at least head writers for the series. I don't know exactly what yeah. their sort of level of involvement is going to be in it. Obviously, we're assuming Donald Glover will also star in it. Um, but uh, yeah, so just, I mean, kind of an interesting twist there. It did seem kind of unfortunate because I heard, uh, uh, you know, saw a post or something from Justin Simeon saying that, like, he found this out at the same time as the rest of us. Like, he didn't know that he was no longer attached to be part of this show until he read it online and saw that, you know, Donald Glover and his brother were doing it. Um, but he, you know, he was uh, graceful about it and wished them all the best and everything. Um, it is kind of weird that like, and apparently they signed this deal too before the, uh, the writer's strike started, which was, you know, that's been going on for like several months now. Um, cause when this was first announced, I thought I was like, well, how did they, you know, they're signing a deal to be head writers of a show right now in the middle of a writer's strike. Like, are they allowed to do that? And apparently this is something that's been in the works for a while. And so I'm like, you would think that somebody would have told the guy that was previously attached as the showrunner, especially when he's working on another Disney property. Um, so that was a little odd. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's nice to just know that this is something that is sort of still in development. Um, of course, right now with the strikes ongoing, I'm sure it's on pause and, you know, they're not really making any progress on it, but, um, just to know that this is something that is, uh, not even just sort of a back burner thing, um, but is sort of on their, um, I guess on their active development slate, you could say if they're like making hiring moves and, and trying to get the wheels spinning on it. So I'll be interested to see what they do with it. I'm not really familiar with Steven Glover, um, Obviously, we all know Donald Glover as Lando from Solo, but he's you know been involved with writing and producing a lot of other stuff. So um, it'd be cool to see what kind of ideas they bring to it and uh, what they do with this series once it eventually gets underway. Yeah, I was actually surprised to get news on Lando because it's kind of been one of the jokes going on about everything that was announced during that Disney's investor uh, video presentation from 2020 where it was first announced and then kind of nothing and it was like Kathleen Kennedy would say Donald Glover's too busy or it's kind of we're waiting on him type of thing so um just the fact that we got news on it was like you said it's a good sign that the project is still you know in the plans for Lucasfilm to eventually get going and to become a series and yeah it's cool that uh Donald Glover is I guess going to really take ownership of his this portrayal of Lando because I mean he was great in Solo as the young Lando and now that he's going to be doing the writing for it and just really kind of take ownership, I think, of Lando of this area of this era is going to be really cool. So, yeah, uh, just good to get some news on it. And then the fact that Donald Glover is just really going to be in, involved with not only playing the character, but now um, writing him and just kind of giving Lando his voice uh, for this series. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, it'll be it'll be cool to see what they do with it. Um, and, uh, you know, I know Donald Glover is a really creative guy. And so I'm interested to see, you know, just kind of the ideas that he has and what influence he brings to that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's still a ways away, even, yeah. <laughs> even if we weren't in the middle of a strike right now, I mean, we know we, you know, without any pending, any delays and stuff that we don't know about. I mean, we're assuming that we have like the Acolyte and Andor coming next year. Um, and this Lando series, obviously, as far as we know, doesn't seem like it's in production yet. 
Um, so I would assume that that would be coming out in 2025 at the earliest and maybe even later now with everything going on. So, uh, you know, not something that I'm, uh, you know, sort of anxiously waiting on the edge of my seat for, it's just kind of like, eh, it'll get here when it gets here, but, um, it'd be fun to see what they do with that, uh, when we do get it. Um, and then last but not least, and this just kind of um, dovetailing into our Ahsoka discussion, but because we're now uh, in the release month, you know, I'm sure we're going to start seeing more sort of just promotional material and interviews and I guess not interviews with the actors and stuff because they can't, you know, promote their shows right now. But um, like today, we just got a couple new articles and a bunch of new images about the show from Entertainment Weekly. Um, and so this is always, it's always fun when you get to sort of that time before a new Star Wars release, when it's like you start getting, um, the article coverage and the, the new pictures and, um, you know, posters and promo art and, and all kinds of stuff that just makes you think like, oh man, it's almost here. Um, and this was a, uh, a pretty lengthy cover article that they had, uh, about the Ahsoka series, um, that I, you know, I read all the way through it earlier today. There's also a video attached that they recorded with Rosario Dawson before the strike, um, I'm <clears throat> just talking about the process of making the show and becoming the character. And in the course of this interview, they also have article or in the course of this article, they have interviews with a lot of the other main cast members with, uh, Natasha Lou Bordizzo and Mary Elizabeth Winstead and everybody talking about their characters and the production and working with Dave Filoni. And they have some nice tributes to Ray Stevenson in there. Um, so, you know, definitely go check that out. Uh, it, you know, if you're so excited for Ahsoka, like we are and let's be honest, who isn't at this point? Um, <laughs> most of us have been waiting years for this, but, um, yeah, there's, you know, not really any like big surprises or, or big revelations, um, as far as new information goes in that article, obviously they're, they're keeping things pretty tight lipped. And even Rosario Dawson was saying in the, the article that like, she really doesn't know much about the show aside from like what they filmed, but like she hasn't seen final cuts of episodes or, uh, you know, Disney isn't even really telling her anything about it. She's like, I'll probably know the full picture, like watching it at midnight with all the fans. So, um, I did like that. She mentioned midnight because she could have just said, I'll just watch it when it airs, like the, with the fans. But the fact that she mentioned midnight where, you know, the hardcore Star Wars fans is who cannot wait to watch a new episode of a new Star Wars series is going to watch it at that time. And she's one of us. So the fact that oh, she absolutely. That too is just awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, if anything, like, I think we knew this before, but you oh, know, if you had, if you had any doubts, like just reading this article really does solidify that Rosario Dawson is a huge star Wars fan is really committed to this role in this character and is just as excited to see it as the rest of us. I mean, she even talked about like when she did her costume fitting for the first time, just for the Mandalorian um, and, you know, saw herself in the makeup and the costume and everything for the first time she was like doing jumping jacks around the room. She was so excited. Um, and that's always fun to see, uh, you know, you have the people that come on and like just sort of have the respect for the legacy of Star Wars and realize that it's a big project and stuff, but maybe aren't like super into it, which is totally fine. I mean, not every uh, super talented actor is also going to be a super huge Star Wars fan and there's still a lot that they could bring to the project. But especially when you have the lead actor of your series is also just a huge fan as well. And like you can tell like they get it um and they want to do this for the fans and they want to do justice to the legacy of the characters and everything like it just really makes you feel like you're in good hands especially when it's also being helmed by dave filoni because we know that like dave is the ultimate person in that regard so mm -hmm. 
um, yeah, just like I said, some cool stuff to read through here uh, in this this article if you want to check it out. And then um, some pretty cool new images too. Again, nothing, you know, no spoilers or uh, nothing really hugely surprising, but some new images of some of the different characters and some scenery and stuff that we hadn't really seen before. So um, cool to get that stuff and cool to be at that time of year where we're now starting to get more of that stuff in anticipation for our new Star Wars release. Yeah, it's always fun when the hype train is really getting going as we're just weeks away, as we mentioned in the beginning, and we start seeing more coverage come out for it. Um, I know it was always a fun time for the movies, like we were talking about beforehand, how uh, when we knew we were getting close to an Entertainment Weekly or Vanity Fair, they have like their cover issues, but every day they put out a little more new information uh, from their upcoming articles, some new images, some new specific details about certain things. Those are always fun. It's, it's probably not going to be on that same level. Uh, for for most part for the TV shows, and I think this will probably be it for the Ahsoka stuff and that Entertainment Weekly um, cover story that they have. But again, it's still a fun time to know that we're just that much closer and it just helps get you more hype and excited for the series when it is just a few short weeks away. Yep. Uh, 20, uh, 20 days and counting as of the recording <laughs> of this episode. I'm sure it'll be even less by the time we get this edited and posted. But um yeah, man, I'm I'm seriously at that point where I'm counting down like, okay, what do I have to do at work next week? Like by the time I get this project done, then how many days are there going to be left till Ahsoka comes out? Like I'm I'm a little bit obsessive about it, but you know what? Yeah, that's, that's why that, we do a Star Wars podcast. Exactly. That's how you know you're super excited for it. Like sometimes like when it comes to like the movies and stuff, I'd be like getting a haircut. Oh, this is the last haircut I'll get before the <laughs> Star Wars movie. Or this is like the last... or eye appointment i have for before the next star wars movie comes out so that stuff that pops in your head when all you're focused on is the next star wars project it's just awesome yeah definitely and uh gosh don't even get me started on how many times i've watched the trailer because i've lost count by this point <laughs> um but yeah i've i've watched that trailer a lot and i get still get super excited every time i watch it so um well, yeah, so that's coming out in, you know, three weeks, but let's go back a ways to the very beginning of our journey with Ahsoka Tano and uh, just kind of revisit some of those early days and just the journey that we've seen this character go on, um, you know, and her relationship to the stories, her relationship to the fans and just how she's grown and evolved over the years and come to this point where now she gets to headline her own live action show and it's going to be this global phenomenon. Um, but obviously we were first introduced to Ahsoka back in 2008 with the Clone Wars movie. Um, and uh, Tim, you saw the Clone Wars movie in theaters, right? Yep. Okay. Opening. Yeah, I know. Uh, say what? Opening night. <laughs> oh yeah. No, same here. Um, yeah, I saw it opening night at midnight with uh, a couple of friends from high school. That was like the summer, uh, the summer after I graduated high school and going into college. Um, and uh, yeah, I just remember it being a, a big deal, you know, getting new Star Wars, even though with it being animated, like not as many people were excited for it. And I know it didn't get the best reviews and stuff, but like I was still super excited for it. Um, and then, yeah. of course, knowing that it was going to be going into this TV series and was just going to kind of be this new era of Star Wars storytelling that was fleshing out um, this time period of the Clone Wars that I was already really invested in. Um, just from the old, like the comics and the micro series and stuff. So I was really excited just to get new Clone Wars stories and a new Star Wars movie. Yeah, it was fun leading up to it, but that was the only bummer when it came out because I did go see it by myself 
like my friends, my brothers, they they weren't quite as excited for it as I was just for, you know, being an animated series, not technically in their eyes. <laughs> Some of them like a, a real Star Wars movie, quote unquote, during that time period. So it was kind of like, uh, Tim, we know you're the big Star Wars fan. So just you'll let us know how it is and if it's worth it. So <laughs> it was just me on that Friday night going to see it. But I, I still had a blast when I did go <laughs> seeing it that opening night. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember having a ton of fun with it. Um, and I feel like my friends were kind of the same way, but I at least had a couple of friends that would humor me and like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll go with you just to hang out and watch it, um, even if they maybe weren't as into it as much. But um, yeah, it was still, you know, a really fun experience. Um, and of course, we get to see, you know, new Clone Wars stories with Obi-Wan and Anakin, but it was our first introduction to this character of Ahsoka Tano. Um, and you know, obviously she was a very sort of polarizing character among the fandom at first, um, kind of rubbed some people the wrong way with her snippiness and calling Anakin Sky Guy and everything. Um, and I don't know how you felt about her at first. Like, I definitely, like, I was in the camp that liked Ahsoka. I didn't love her at first. She definitely got on my nerves at times, and there were things I didn't like about the character. Um, but I didn't hate her either. And she had enough sort of endearing moments um to me that you know i felt like okay as much as she might annoy me sometimes or as much as this is you know not not like the best character like there's enough here that i like her and i'm invested um especially in her relationship with anakin and sort of the moment that still stands out to me is that moment in the clone wars movie where they go on sort of their first adventure together um in the battle of christophsis and uh you know, they've sort of been paired up for the first time. And Anakin thinks it's this mistake where she was supposed to end up with Obi-Wan and he didn't even want a Padawan. And so they're kind of, uh, you know, begrudgingly thrown together and have to learn to work together and stuff. And at the end of it, uh, you know, they survive and, and accomplish their objective and the Republic wins the battle. And there's that moment where they're, you know, just kind of sitting together as the clones are all leaving and stuff. Um and just kind of have this, this little heart-to-heart -heart moment. And I think it's really the first mm -hmm. time that, like, a Ahsoka's theme from Kevin Kiner kind of swells in the background. And, you know, they're having this conversation. And Anakin says, uh, you know, you're reckless little one. And you never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan. But you might just make it as mine. Um, yeah, and kind of that, that first what? bonding moment. I exactly. love that exactly. moment between yeah. the two of them. Um, and it's the moments like that. And just Ahsoka's earnestness. And, um, you know, again, even though she can be, you know, brash and rec reckless and snippy at times, like, you see those moments where it's like her heart is in the right place. And she really, you know, wants to help out and wants to do the right thing and wants to be a good Jedi. Um, and it's those type of moments that just endeared her to me from the beginning and was like, yeah, you know what, I, I like this character. Um, and then she just continued to grow from there and you know we had no idea the places that the story would take her but um i don't know what were your kind of like initial reactions to seeing her in the movie yeah i'm not going to pretend and say that oh i've been a fan of the character since the very beginning when i saw her in the movie because i'll be honest how i wasn't really a big fan of ahsoka after in that first clone wars movie after i saw it but at the same time i didn't hate her saying like being one of those people who would say how could lucas do this so he just introduced like the worst star wars character ever he ruined it that type of old stuff that we heard so much during the prequel era and well still do now <laughs> just not direct that george lucas but <laughs> yeah. um yeah but it was like she didn't really win me over in the movie because i mean there was already like i don't, I don't want to use the word controversy but just like 
fans not being too excited about just the idea of Lucas bringing in a young Padawan for Anakin and having that be kind of the focus of what this series is going to be uh, with this brand new character. And yeah, so um, when I saw the movie, like I said, did, didn't really win me over with in that, but it didn't really take long for the episodes we got in season one to where we start seeing the character that Ahsoka would little signs of what she'll become later on in the series. And just those, you just really see her learn and grow throughout of course, the course of the series, but even in this first season, little moments here and there where she has these moments where she learns these lessons from not just Anakin, but uh, different Jedi too. And the episode that's coming to mind right now is the one with uh, Luminara and I believe it's Cloak of Darkness, um, yep. where she like Ahsoka has her first like big confrontation with Asaz Ventress. Um, there, I mean, I, they met obviously came uh, to blows in the movie, um, or no, no, I'm thinking did they come face to face in the movie? Uh, they're um, almost on the same planet, but yeah, I think they saw each other. I do think they maybe. Oh gosh, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've seen it. I don't think they fight, but I they think definitely they definitely didn't do fight. No, see, I think they they maybe see each other. Um, yeah, at yeah, the most, they probably remember. might have just saw each other. But. Yeah, I think they do because then, like when she sees when they fight in Cloak of Darkness, like Ahsoka recognizes her. Um, yeah, Ventress too. Yeah, yeah, or they yeah they recognize each other. Yeah, so episodes like that, and then um, Jedi Crash, Defender of the Peace, just. Her just really getting exposed to like life in the galaxy and what it means to be a Jedi this early on. Obviously, the stakes get higher and higher over the course of these seasons. But um, she started like the movie. She might not have won me over there, uh, but over the course of the season, uh, season one anyway, it started winning me over with her character. What um, the potential of her being a Jedi, just Anakin's Padawan, and even regardless of how I felt after the movie, just the idea of Anakin having a Padawan during this time. It just, I was just really curious and just fascinated at what Lucas wanted to do with this part of the, the saga when it comes to Anakin and his journey, obviously, before it becomes Darth Vader. And there's all the questions as far as where's Ahsoka during Revenge of the Sith and what's her fate. Um, so it was just a fascinating, especially during this time and when the movie came out during season one, where we didn't know what the course of uh, the direction Ahsoka's character was going to take. Um, but it was just kind of fun to speculate as far as the potential where it can go and just how we would see Anakin be as a master to a Padawan. That was another exciting um, facet about introducing Ahsoka as Anakin's Padawan and that how that would in, inform him as a character too over the course of the Clone Wars. So just a lot of fascinating stuff about just the idea of Ahsoka and her becoming Anakin's Padawan, which is an idea that never really ever crossed my mind, especially during the prequel era in um, especially after Revenge of the Sith, but leave it to Lucas. I mean, never doubt George Lucas with a story idea when it comes to Star Wars. It's something that might make you scratch your head. I mean, even Dave Filoni was kind of taken aback by it um, when George Lucas let him know what he wanted to do. Um, but obviously, Lucas had a plan. He knew what he wanted to do. And as the, over the course of the series, we knew it was a great idea <laughs> for him to create the character of Ahsoka and have Anakin uh, be her master and her her Padawan. So, but yeah, um, got off to a little bit of a bumpy start <laughs> with the movie and certain moments of season one. But again, looking back on it now, it's just, I wouldn't have it any other way because that just makes her character even better 
um, in later seasons and in Rebels and when we see her Mandalorian to look back at these early episodes to see how young and brash she was um, as Anakin's young Padawan. So it just makes it even better um, when you just look at the character growth she had from this point to where we're going to be at later on in just a few weeks for the series, which is kind of crazy mm-hmm. to think about um, as we're talking about these early episodes and just her first appearance and never even dreaming in a million years that when I came out of the Clone Wars movie thinking, oh, this is going to be a character who's going to get her own live action series almost 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we never would have thought that she would have ended up having that big of an impact or, you know, been that big of a, an important character in the story or had that much of sort of a lasting legacy and just love among the fans and everything, especially, yeah, like you said, when it first came out and there was so much kind of negative backlash. Um, but I, just like you said, I think a big part of the reason why she is so loved now is because we've seen so much growth and development from her. And especially with, um, you know, Clone Wars being on Cartoon Network and stuff, like, as we all know, it's not just a kid's show, like, you know, Star Wars fans of any age can enjoy Clone Wars, but there were a lot of kids who watched it growing up and sort of felt like they grew up along with Ahsoka. Um, And then older fans who, again, you know, might have thought she was kind of annoying at first or whatever, and then watched her grow and develop into a character that they sort of uh, respected more and, you know, maybe could even see themselves sort of reflected in. Um, And another reason that I really liked, uh, you know, sort of seeing her journey and especially her relationship with Anakin that kind of resonated personally for me, like I said, I was going into college in my first year of college when Clone Wars came out. Um, and I have a younger sister who's, you know, two and a half years younger than me, my sister Kayla, and, um, she's also a really big Star Wars fan, but I feel like we have, and especially at the time had a very sort of Anakin and Ahsoka type relationship dynamic. And we were even kind of similar in age. Cause I guess, um, I mean, they never really solidify it, but you know, at the beginning of Clone Wars, Anakin is still probably like 19 or 20. Um, and Ahsoka is supposed to be like 14. And at that time I was like 17 going on 18 and Kayla was 15. So we were pretty close in age to those characters. Um, and you know, off right, like right off the bat, you know, they definitely established kind of like a big brother, little sister type dynamic, um, where, you know, they bicker and fight and get on each other's nerves sometimes, but also, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to be there for each other and have each other's backs. And he's going to, protect her and teach her and she's going to learn from him and you know you get to watch her grow and develop but also you know so you see sometimes she can hold her own and she can teach him a thing or two and so I felt like that was definitely um something that I kind of resonated or that that I you know related to and that resonated with me like in my own family relationships so um that was another reason why I kind of you know, maybe liked her more than some people at first. Cause I was like, you know, it was almost like Ahsoka was like a little sister where it's like, yeah, she's annoying sometimes, but like at the end of the day, you know, she's not that bad. Um, and then she just kept getting better and better. And, uh, yeah, I mean, she's got some great moments in that first season. Um, you know, the fight with Ventress, the, um, the, the Jedi crash episodes where she's got a team up with, um, Ayla to protect Anakin while he's injured. Um, there's also that episode Storm over Ryloth where she, uh, you know, Anakin puts her in command of a fighter squadron to kind of teach her like leadership and responsibility. And it's funny because that's one of those episodes that like thinking back to my like 17 or 18 year old self when Clone Wars first premiered, like that episode drove me nuts because 
I was like, she's 14. Why are you letting her lead a whole fighter squadron? And like, this is a Venator. How come it's only, you know, how come you're only sending one fighter squadron into battle when a Venator can carry this many compliments of starfighters? And, you know, my nerd brain thinking that everything had to be exactly <laughs> like it was in the, the Star Wars visual dictionaries and stuff. Um, and it's kind of, you know, it's something I can laugh at now looking back on like how much of a stickler for canon I was and realize like, obviously the point of that story is her character drove. Um, and it really is kind of a, a big step forward for her in um, sort of just her learning to, uh, you know, just take responsibility and um, her leadership roles and stuff like that. Um, despite the fact of, you know, we could, I'm sure you could go on a whole different podcast episode about the morality of thrusting a 14 year old girl into, you know, leading troops in a war and just, you know, the way that um, the Jedi handled that whole situation with putting, you know, Jedi and Padawans in war and stuff like that. But um, you know, she certainly got a lot of great opportunities to kind of show her prowess, but also show the areas that she still had to learn and grow in. And then we got to see her go through those trials and those challenges and learn those lessons and become better for them. Um, and just continued to see more and more of that over the seasons. Um, you know, going into season two, you see that with like her relationship with Barris. um, in the Geonosis arc. Um, mm. And even, I love the, you know, you also start seeing some of the contrasts between her and Anakin where it's like, oh, maybe she's learning some of the right lessons from Obi-Wan where Anakin is still kind of like stuck in his ways. Um, and I think, uh, you know, like there's the, the episode Weapons Factory where her and Barris have the tank and they, you know, they blow up the droid factory and like they're willing to sacrifice themselves to get the mission done. Um, and Anakin is the one that's like, no, like I refuse to accept this. We're going to go get them out. We're going to save them. And it is, you know, his determination that like saves their lives at the end of the day, um, which, you know, you can see as a good thing, but also, you know, you kind of see, uh, you start to see Ahsoka's kind of acceptance of things versus Anakin's refusal, refusal to let go. Um, and then you see that again in a couple episodes later in the, the episode with the brain worms where he goes and chokes out Poggle um trying to uh, get the information on how to rescue ahsoka from the ship with the brain worms and stuff and so um you know continuing their dynamic as well seeing you know just how much anakin cares for her and sometimes you know how that can cause issues with his attachment as we all know um but uh yeah i mean it's great to see them continue to go on those adventures and grow those relationships and those dynamics yeah there's a lot of great stuff with Anakin and Ahsoka in season two, especially um, just kicks off that way with a Holocron heist where again, Ahsoka just shows her an experience and her just eagerness and not following orders where she gets uh, relegated to like library duty at the Jedi archives uh, with Jocasta new. But then obviously in the next episode in Cargo of Doom, where she gets captured by Cad Bane. And then again, Anakin's going to refuse to let anything bad happen to her where he does, I uh, opened up the holocron for Cad Bane um, to get to save Ahsoka. And then, like you said, that kind of goes further with the Geonosis arc um, with her, her kind of him helping her out twice or refusing to give up on uh, saving her twice in that arc. So just a lot of great stuff um, with their dynamic and their just how much they just care for each other is like really felt in the season and just kind of expanded more than the little bit we got of that in season one and just really forging um, that close bond that we know um, they'll eventually get to um, for some uh, really sad moments <laughs> later on, but it's all mm -hmm. being built in these early seasons right here. And I felt, as you mentioned in season two, we got a lot of great stuff 
um, with Anakin and Ahsoka and just their developing relationship as master and apprentice. And then again, also continuing on with Ahsoka with other Jedis. I think um, the episode Lightsaber Lost in season two was kind of a big turning point. I know for some people who just really liked this type of storytelling, this episode for Ahsoka um, where she loses her lightsaber. And um, again, she has to go with another Jedi who Tara Sanube, um, who was a new character introduced in this arc and just kind of got to see her go with a wise old Jedi teaching her um, lessons um, that she probably wouldn't be able to get from Anakin. And that's just another thing that you appreciate with this series too, is just her getting all this different experience, um, not only from being a Padawan as Anakin, but from Obi-Wan, from these other different Jedi, like Terra Sinube, Luminara, and then even non-Jedi, like um, for Pad with Padme in season three, um, even though some of those episodes might not be the greatest, but um, just, <laughs> just getting these different um, experiences. Well, I shouldn't say with Padme because that episode Assassin was a good one, but um, with uh, Satine and uh, I can't remember the name now, but uh, oh, yeah, the, <laughs> the Mandalore uh, the, the poison tea scandal yes. on Mandalore. <laughs> Uh, but again, just these different life lessons she's learning throughout the course of the season or these in each season over the course of the series where he just I uh, was seeing her grow in all these different aspects was just really great to see. And it's kind of something you appreciate more as you're as you know how the series end and you go back and rewatch some of these episodes. And just it just really makes the development of the character that we see just makes makes so much sense uh, where she is or she is the character that she is once we get to uh, the end of the clone wars and just um how she is as becoming more of a leader in rebels and beyond that too so um just all that foundation that was laid down in these early two seasons yeah definitely and she definitely learns lessons from Terra Sanube that she would not learn from Annie. yes <laughs> uh they those are two polar opposite characters but uh yeah that was a great episode as well um, and then I think, I feel like season three is where she really starts to come into her own, especially around yeah. the midpoint of season three, which I mean, coincidentally is like where the whole show kind of really started to find its footing was around that midway point of season three, um, which is funny because the first half of season three was very up and down. Um, the Academy, that was the episode. Yeah. The, well, the Academy was, and uh, corruption. corruption was the one before that. I, I, corruption is one of the ones that I know is in my bottom five Clone Wars episodes. Uh, the Academy, I feel like, was a little better, but still definitely not one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, so after a, an up and down sort of first half of the season, you know, that back half gets really strong. But right around the midpoint, um, and I think it's actually the first episode where the characters kind of get the new costume changes. Um, and so Anakin and Obi-Wan have the, have the outfits that are a little bit more like their Revenge of the Sith looks and Ahsoka is starting to look a little bit more grown up. Um, Do you remember the teaser they put out for that reveal of them with their new models? It was just like a I, short 30 second clip of just all of them like kind of coming into the screen, igniting their lightsaber, showing off their new look. No, I don't. I remember I remember there being like a promo image of it. I don't remember a video. Yeah, that's how I first saw it. Like, oh man, they're really up in the game on like the character models here. Like this stuff looks great. Yeah. Um and yeah, like I said, that just sort of coincided with like a big turning point for just the story and the the action and the visuals and stuff too. Um, as sort of the second half of season three took off. But 
Um, it was kind of in the midst of, you know, there were a bunch of political episodes in that first half of season three. And so, you know, a lot of them were not super exciting, but there's one called uh, Heroes on Both Sides. Um, and it's the first one where Ahsoka is introduced to Lux Bonteri. Um, and like I said, it's, you know, the first one where they're in the new outfits, uh, but it's, um, you know, Padme takes Ahsoka with her to, I believe it's Raxus. Um and she kind of gets to learn more about like the war from the separatist side and what they're fighting for and see that not all separatists are, you know, evil mustache twirling villains like Dooku and Ventress. And, um, you know, you know, it's not all just like the battle droids that they're fighting, but she's seeing, you know, the people behind this and just the, the differences of ideals and stuff. Um, and kind of getting to see that different perspective. And so I think that was just that coupled with, um, again, sort of the step up in the the visual appearances and the costumes and stuff. Um, I felt like it was sort of a big turning point and like, oh, Ahsoka's growing up now, you know, seeing kind of more of this kind of stuff. And even introducing like a potential romance interest in Lux Bonteri. Um, hey, I wonder if we'll see him in the Ahsoka series. We'll see him as like a New Republic senator or something as like a middle-aged man. That would be weird. Um, well, depending if they still keep to this canon, but he was in the uh inferno squad novel that came out for battlefront 2 oh really and i believe his character dies oh, spoiler alert i'm sorry oh. <laughs> but, i did um, not know that um yeah he was they kind of kept it a secret who this like kind of middle-aged man character or was in there but at the end it kind of gets revealed that it is lux and he ends up biting it at the end but um yeah so i mean they could ignore it and bring him into these local series we never know but because of right now in the canon, he wouldn't be alive during that era of uh, where Ahsoka's taking place. Uh, well, maybe not. But like you said, they could I mean, they could still do it if they wanted to. They've done but it at the same time, I'm all for I'm all for respecting the canon. But um, yeah, Lux for a while seemed like he was going to be a fairly important character. And then he kind of just dropped off the map when the show ended. But um, but yeah, that was interesting to see her just kind of get that that differing political perspective. And then, I mean, that whole second half of um, the season three, like she's not in, I don't think she's really in that Night Sister arc at all. No. Um, but obviously, like the Mortis episodes, she goes through a lot in that, um, you know, Big seeing <laughs> seeing the future vision of herself, you know, getting turned to the dark side and fighting Anakin, her sort of death and resurrection thanks to the sacrifice of the daughter and you know begins sort of the whole connection with uh morai the the convoy um and so again i mean that could be stuff that we even see continue into the, into the ahsoka series as well i mean that was something that in rebels was just kind of like there but not really explained and you know we weren't really sure if there was a, a concrete explanation for any of it or if it was just kind of meant to be up to interpretation or you know so we'll see if that stuff continues or if any of those sort of plot threads continue into the ahsoka series um but yeah really cool stuff in that the mortis arc obviously and then it ending with um you know the the wookie arc uh, where she gets stranded and, uh, you know, gets captured by the Trend Oceans and, and put on that island where she has to survive with the other uh, Jedi Padawans. And it's kind of the first time that, and it's not the first episode that you see her in without Anakin, but I remember them talking about this a lot, sort of in interviews around that season finale of it being sort of the first time that she had to like put his training to the test and see if it stood on its own. 
um, in a way mm -hmm. like, you know, the like it's sort of her first time being on her own in a life or death situation. And it's like, OK, let's see if you were paying attention to the lessons that Anakin taught you and see if you can get out of this. And at the same time for Anakin, it was sort of a test of, OK, let's see how good you are as a teacher, you know, if you're if the things you've taught your student can get her out of this, but also how much faith do you have in her? Um, to to trust that she has learned those lessons and that she is capable and that she can get out of the situation where you can't really get in and help her. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like that whole that whole second half of season three was really a, uh, a sort of coming of age for Ahsoka and really coming into her own as a Jedi. And I feel like it was probably a big, I mean, I don't remember specifically what the perception was at that point, but I definitely remember that being um the second half of that season being a time when a lot of people started to kind of catch on um either people that hadn't watched clone wars yet up to that point you know tuning in to be like oh hey i heard that there's you know a new double-bladed lightsaber wielding you know zabrak villain or you know night sisters or you know this cool stuff people were like oh maybe i should tune in and check this out but also were people who had been watching the whole time and going like, oh, this isn't that good. Oh, Ahsoka's annoying. Oh, this is a kid's show, whatever. We're like, oh, this is starting to be some good Star Wars now. Um, and I think, you know, again, I, I think the uh, the growth of Ahsoka's character was definitely part of that. Yeah, without question in season three, there's like some big stuff that happened to Ahsoka here that informed her character even further. And going to back what you were saying with for uh, the Wiki Hunt episodes at the end, um, there's a great moment between her and Anakin again, um, just kind of not necessarily mirroring that first conversation they had that you alluded to in the movie where you said you never would have made it as Obi-Wan's apprentice, but you just might make it as mine. Well, she did make it <laughs> kind of in a sort of way without his, without him being there, without any other kind of members of the Jedi uh, that she's familiar with. Obviously, she meets up with some other pattern ones, but no Jedi Knights or no Masters there. And she really took the lead and took charge. And I love her response when Anakin kind of apologizes to her at the end saying like, he saw he wasn't there for her, but she's no, can't remember the exact words, but her just saying like, no, like I, I kind of want to thank you because of your training that I was able to survive this and to come out of this alive was because of you and your training. So oh, that was just a great moment between those two characters um, that again, just shows that closeness and that special bond um, that I think few, masters and apprentice of the Jedi Order had um, really, especially during that time frame. And it was just really cool to see that uh, respect they have for each other, especially in that moment. But going back to Mortis, because that is obviously the biggest <laughs> event that happened to Ahsoka in season three and uh, maybe ever in her life because of her death. I mean, sometimes I think that gets lost a little bit. Ahsoka died here. I mean, she was brought back to life because of the sister sacrificing herself and channeling her energy through Anakin as the chosen one to bring her back to life. So just, and then giving that connection. And it's so cool that Dave Filoni has continued to show little hints or carry that thread on very subtly with, of course, Morai showing up um, here and there. Very, a uh, little bit in the Clone Wars. I mean, I think we first saw the Convors in the Wookiee episodes, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think that was Morai, but there were oh there. yeah, no, I think that was well, maybe not the first time, um, but I remember seeing like I remember them talking about that. It was in you know the behind the scenes episode guide or something like just them being there as animals on that planet. Yeah, 
And but then just of course later on, you know, they have that connection where Morai's easily there when Ahsoka is. And I really believe that this moment is gonna play a factor in the Ahsoka series. Um, maybe not like a huge big new reveal, but I just think as Dave Filoni does, he'll just kind of peel a little more layers off of this connection that they do have. I would love it if he just goes like really dives into what that connection they have and what it means for them as characters. But I think we'll just get some, I don't know, callbacks or just Ahsoka alluding to um, that moment where uh, she was brought back to life or that special uh, connection she has with Morai. And again, I've said this before, I'm really hoping that <laughs> they just really go into more of the Morta stuff here. But because it was such a, just a huge moment for Ahsoka in her life when that, in what she experienced in on mortis i mean being turned uh to the dark side and then dying and then seeing a vision of herself as you mentioned and just i've always wondered if that line would come really come to fruition where her future self says um you may never see your future if you remain his student obviously talking about anakin and obviously she didn't um remain his student she did walk away um sometime after that and can't help but wonder if like that vision kind of maybe played um a hand in her thought process during that whole time but kind of part of me thinks maybe now because it was really more toward the jedi order not necessarily her being anakin's uh, apprentice there but that line is still always wondering as we know visions that jedi could have could be interpreted in different ways and it doesn't go exactly as what they see or what's being told to them um but i always wondered if that might come back into play in somewhat as far as Ahsoka's thinking and during her time as Anakin's uh, Padawan, if that'll kind of be touched on in the series. Again, I'm just hoping a lot of Mortis callbacks and references here. And I'm wondering if maybe that vision uh, she had of her future self would come into play at all of that. But yeah, there's no denying just what a huge moment Mortis was for Ahsoka as a character and just uh, the events that will take place later on um, here and it's, it's I don't know it's just so cool that obviously they were drawn there because of Anakin being the chosen one that the father wanted to put him to the test but Ahsoka and Obi-Wan both had to be there to test Anakin um, and just showing the two probably two of the three most uh, important people in Anakin's life obviously Padme wasn't there with with him but um, his master and have and his apprentice were both there uh, to put him to the test and Obviously, Ahsoka was the one who was used the most, not only in the episode Overlords, where um, both her and Obi-Wan were taken by the son and daughter, but then her being captured by the son and being turned to the dark side, um, being killed. And she kind of had a break in <laughs> the third part, um, uh, Ghost of Mortis, uh, but she was just uh, sent on uh, being able to fix and repair the ship for most of that episode. But still, everything that happened to her in that episode just had to... Um, stay with her over the course of her entire life. And it's just hard not to, for me to think that anything that happens um, with, with the force, things that she senses or feels, whether it's a disturbance in the force or senses another uh, force being just somehow that Mortis reflects on or always seeps away into her mindset when she does meditation um, within the force, because it just, like I said, it's such an experience that hardly or probably no Jedi um, has ever had what she went through in that moment there. So it, and I just think that's going to be something that really enforces her character moving forward. And I just really hope that it gets uh, brought up again in the series because I just think that there's so much rich potential you could 
uh, do with the character, um, not only this in the series, which I'm hoping for, but if they plan on future stories, just down the line, I just think there's just so much stuff you can do with in regards to Ahsoka's time and the experiences she had on Mortis, which no doubt shaped her character. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they ever do reference any of that stuff because I'd have to go back and watch them again. And even now just talking about it, I'm like, man, it's been a while since I've watched those episodes and I definitely need to make that part of my like rewatch of stuff leading up to Ahsoka. I, um, that was the first thing I did on my rewatch. So <laughs> that I saw oh, okay. the trilogy. Well, see, I just did like, I recently did a rewatch of all of Rebels and then just like this past weekend, I watched Siege of Mandalore. Like, obviously I'm going to watch Twilight of the Apprentice again at some point. I'll probably, even though I just finished Rebels, I'll probably rewatch the, uh, just the Rebels finale again at some point. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll go back and watch a few more key Ahsoka arcs from Clone Wars and, uh, yeah, definitely got to watch the Mortis arc again. But I feel like, and I could be wrong, but don't they like sort of wake up at the end of it and almost like not even remember what happened? Um, I never really took it that way. I mean, Ahsoka really doesn't say anything, but Anakin makes that comment, oh, we've been gone for more than a while, Rex. And then, then the other part that makes me think they remember is where in the Yoda arc, where Yoda kind of asks Anakin to come talk to him and to share his experience uh, with Mortis. So, and they're maybe they don't know if it was like something that was like a real actual experience, but they do obviously have memories of it and what took place there. Maybe they just think it's more of a forced vision than actually uh, being physically there on the planet. But I think they still remember the events that happened. Actually, no, you know what I'm thinking of? Doesn't, in the last episode, the uh, the father erases Anakin's memory, doesn't he? Just of the vision that the son gave him of the future. Right, right, right. So Anakin doesn't remember, you know, so he wouldn't remember the vision of himself turning into Darth Vader and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, because I was like, that would be too crazy if, like, he remembered that and then no, still yeah. just, like, <laughs> let it happen and everything anyways. But, um, okay, so yeah, maybe they do remember some of that other stuff. Um and yeah, it'd be interesting to see how much of that we get reference to in the Ahsoka series. Cause I'm sure, I mean, they even talked about that in that uh, entertainment weekly article about, you know, trying to make it accessible for new fans and also having, you know, callbacks for the older fans, but like having stuff, you know, just information in there to like catch people up on everything this character has been through. So um, I'm sure, you know, we, we even get a couple mentions of Anakin in the trailer, but I'm sure we'll get a lot more about her time in the Clone Wars and as a Jedi Padawan and stuff like that. But um, I'd kind of be surprised if we get any direct Mortis references, but maybe we'll see. I mean, we know even in, uh, you know, they had little Easter eggs to it in Andor even, so it could work into the story some way. Um, but yeah, definitely a... Uh, like we're saying, just a, a big moment for her character and one that could still have future ramifications that we don't even know about yet. Give me as many Mortis and World Between World references as you can in the Ahsoka series. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, maybe... Really happy. And I would love to see something else along those lines, too. I don't necessarily want to see her go back to Mortis, and I don't even necessarily want to see her go back into the World Between Worlds. Because um, I think that was... A, like, I like the way that they used it just in Rebels, and then also, like, that temple got buried, so unless they're gonna, like, dig it back up again, or maybe, I mean, I guess you could technically access it from some other point, um, but just give us something else along those lines that delves into, like, some weird force mythology yeah. stuff, like, I love that kind of stuff, Same. so, um, 
I'm sure if, you know, just knowing the type of stories that Dave likes to tell, I'm sure he's got ideas for some more of that, you know, something along those lines somewhere eventually, whether it be this season of Ahsoka or in a movie eventually, or maybe in another season if they get to do more. But um, yeah, we'll just have to see. Um, but then, um, yeah, you know, continuing on with, with season four and five of Clone Wars, like we just continue seeing more for growth as a, you know, this capable Jedi Padawan. Um, until, of course, we get to sort of the, the big shakeup at the end of season five, where she's framed for bombing the temple um, and really kind of sees the corruption of the Republic and the hypocrisy of the Jedi Council and uh, just, you know, at the end decides to walk away from it all after this sort of harrowing journey of having to fight for her life and prove her innocence and being on trial and Tarkin wanting to execute her and all this kind of stuff. And Anakin, you know, fighting to defend her honor and find the truth. Um, I mean, it still is, uh, you know, just an emotional moment thinking about it all these years later, that moment where she comes back and has that whole scene in front of the council where they're welcoming her back and Anakin says, you know, they're welcoming you back Ahsoka and he gives her back her Padawan braid that got snatched away. And she closes his hand around it and says, I'm sorry, master, I'm not coming back. Um, that's still, that will never not be a gut punch to me because I always think of it in the context of like, oh, we were so excited to see where she would go from there and where the show would go next. And for the next season of Clone Wars. And then it was like two weeks after this finale aired that we found out that Clone Wars was getting canceled. Um, and then I could never watch that episode and think of that scene of her saying, you know, I'm sorry, master, I'm not coming back without equating that with the show and almost like Dave Filoni saying that to the fans, you know? Um, but, um, yeah. And then, you know, of course the whole scene where Anakin runs out after her and they have that talk out in front of the temple and the, the music. And I mean, the fact that Kevin Kiner got like a full live orchestra to do those episodes, um, was like one of the best decisions they ever made on Clone <laughs> Wars because I can still like hear that music and picture that scene perfectly in my mind. Um, and just, you know, one of those perfect Star Wars moments that couldn't be done any other way. But um, it was such a, um, I don't know, an emotional, not really ending or finale, but sort of closing of that specific chapter. Um for that character, especially at a, a time of uncertainty where we didn't know that she was going to show up in Rebels. We didn't know we were eventually going to get a season seven of Clone Wars. We didn't know that we'd be getting, you know, several years later, we'd be getting live action Star Wars series and that she'd eventually be headlining her own show and, you know, then potentially be showing up in a movie and stuff. It was like, we didn't know what this meant for her character or if we'd ever see her again. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you know, it was... Uh, those were just sort of emotional times. Um, and it was a, an emotional way to sort of close the book on that chapter of her character. But it was sort of, it was like, you almost couldn't help but be proud of her for like standing up yep. for herself and making her own decision and choosing her own path. As much as we loved her as a Jedi and as much as we loved seeing her with Anakin and, you know, seeing their relationship together and even sort of her and Anakin and Obi-Wan as a trio together. And it was like, sad to think of that not being the case anymore um but at the same time you know especially after everything that she went through and with you know mace windu and kiati mundi and everybody kind of 
you know, kicking her out of the, the Jedi order and not really giving her a chance. And then at the end, sort of pretending like everything was fine <laughs> and being like, Oh, this was actually your big trial. And, you know, you can come back now and her being like, no, you know what? I'm going to go do my own thing. It was like, man, good for you. Yeah. And then of course it answered the longstanding question of like, what happens to Ahsoka during order 66? Why isn't she in revenge of the Sith? And it's like, Oh, well, we have no idea where she is during revenge of the Sith, but uh, at least we have the answer as to, you know, why is she not there or you know why is she no longer with anakin why doesn't anakin have a padawan in the movies because you know she walked away um so left us with a lot of questions you know kind of left us hanging at the time but at the same time you know gave us a big answer and a big piece of her story um and it's just uh you know one of the i think most iconic and sort of pivotal steps um just along her path man these episodes are just so incredible um they're just some of the best of the best of Star Wars storytelling. This was also part of my uh, rewatch as I leading leading up to before I started watching Rebels, and I, I show these episodes to my dad actually because he wants to watch them uh, to get more familiar with uh, Rebels and Ahsoka before the series starts, and he was just like completely blown away <laughs> by these episodes. After each one, he just goes, "Wow, that was great! Wow, this was great! This was even better!" And then getting to the final moment where she turns away from the Jedi order that's like really took him by surprise and just like, Oh, when she put the braid back in Anakin's hand, he just went, Oh, wow. And just like, that's just no good storytelling is when you're seeing someone experience it for the first time and have that reaction to it. It was just, it was really cool to see, but just experiencing those episodes again, it's just, they're just so good. And just um, what Ahsoka just, how sad it was to see her go through that being framed and, having pretty much nobody except Anakin believe her um, during that moment. Just some great, some of the greatest performances uh, we ever got from Ashley Eckstein and Matt Lanter in these episodes in this arc. Um, you mentioned obviously the big one at the end, but that moment too um, in like in the sewer pipe before she makes the jump to uh, the lower levels of Coruscant, that mm -hmm. moment they had with each other there was just so great. Um, that, that's up there. I think is one of their best performances. Um, and that line that Ahsoka says to Annie is like, you have to trust me now. And then as she, before she uh, makes the jump, it's just so good. And just what this episode does or these, the story arc did for Ahsoka as a character is just incredible and just um, doesn't get old every time I watch it. It's just great. It's Star Wars storytelling at its finest. Um, just really character driven. Uh, it was just so, so good. But um, I also want to go back I mentioned real quick too the um the young padawan arc where ahsoka um, obviously goes with yoda um, and the younglings uh to build their lightsabers mm -hmm. and that's kind of why i wanted to bring this up because it's that moment where we kind of see ahsoka become uh the teacher for these young padawans um throughout the course of the story arc where she um not only is entrusted to help them build their lightsabers but once uh, hondo gets involved and things uh don't go as planned where she's kind of has to be end up being the protector of these young jedis and obviously seeing her more we always saw her uh, be the student and anakin be on the lookout and wanting to protect her but now she's in that uh master and teacher role with these young padawans too and obviously we know she never got a padawan as uh first or she never had a Padawan of her own, obviously, her leaving the Jedi Order as a Padawan herself. But um, the kind of the, one of the big nuggets we got in the Ahsoka trailer was how she was uh, Sabine's uh, master for a bit. And uh, kind of seeing how 
she, or maybe we not see to the full extent, but we'll probably get um, some glimpses of her as a teacher um, in the Ahsoka series when she gets reunited with Sabine. But I think um, it kind of, her first uh, foray into that uh, would be in these episodes with in the younglings arc where she had to have the responsibility of teaching and then eventually looking after these younglings to protect them and eventually get them to safety. And that, that lightsaber fight she had with Grievous is an underrated one because there, there's, she does some cool stuff. In I agree. Fight. Especially the fact that it ends with her being rescued by slave one. Right. <laughs> uh, it's so good. So yeah, I think that was another a big story arc for her as a character where they're um, kind of first being uh, brought into that uh, teacher role for some younger students. Yeah, no, that was a great one as well. And uh, our first introduction to the character of Hugh Yang, um, right. who is, you know, we see him working with Ahsoka briefly in that episode. And then, um, you know, she seems like he's going to be sort of the main droid companion for the Ahsoka series. Um, at least her main droid companion. We know Chopper is going to be in there too, but um yeah, I love that character. I love David Tennant's performance and sort of the energy that he brought to that. So getting to uh, see, I'm assuming we're going to see a lot more of him on screen um, and, uh, you know, get to have him accompany Ahsoka on her journeys in, the, in these episodes is going to be great. So I wonder if that um, was the last time they had uh, the gathering ceremony, like Ahsoka with those young ladies. Like that was the last time that happened before the Jedi Order fell. And that was the last time or the last students that Hu Yang ever got to uh, be involved with as far as um, helping him build our lightsabers. And maybe that's kind of what forges a connection with him and Ahsoka or him knowing that she was the last one or her and the students she was with were kind of like the last Jedi he ever uh, maybe even saw. Maybe Ahsoka, <laughs> that's what I'm curious about too, uh, how her and Ahsoka or Ahsoka and Hu Yang get connected again in the series if um, they haven't seen each other for a while or if she has to reactivate them maybe but um, i wonder if that does end up being revealed where um, that gathering was the final one that hu yang did was with ahsoka and those battle ones yeah i don't know um because also like he gets damaged um at the end of that episode like in the battle with hondo and stuff and so yeah maybe they took him back to the jedi temple or something to put him back together um but yeah, I like, I don't know if we'll get answers about that specifically, but I'm definitely interested to find out like how they got reconnected. Um, I don't know if we'll see Ahsoka find him or, you know, see sort of their first meeting in the series, or if it'll just sort of be like, he's been with her for a while, but we find out, you know, through maybe her talking to Sabine or something like how, uh, you know, how they did get reconnected or how long they've been together or something like that. So um yeah regardless like you know lots of uh interesting stuff they could do there and obviously huang's head is filled with tons of old jedi knowledge and stuff and so um yeah it'll be fun to see what kind of little tidbits he drops about you know just sort of lore and jedi history and stuff like that because that was really fun in those episodes with the yeah. lightsabers and when he's talking to gunji about uh you know the wookie jedis and the um you know, the, the lightsaber parts made of wood and everything. Like I just loved his whole, that whole like first opening, I don't know, five or 10 minutes of that episode where he's just telling the younglings all about building their lightsabers is some of my favorite stuff from Clone Wars. Yes. It's so cool that it's being brought back for the series. It's going to be great to see him again. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, that was another cool moment from season five. And then of course we talked about that, you know, that ending and sort of leaving us not knowing if and when we would ever see Ahsoka again. Um, and I forget the, the Ahsoka novel by EK Johnson, did that come out before Rebels or after? Um, after. Okay. Oh yeah. Cause now that I think about it, I think that was like 2016, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So then the next time we saw Ahsoka was in, you know, at the end of season one of Rebels, uh, you know, showing up as Fulcrum, who I remember there being a lot of speculation about that. Yeah. Um, and some people doing some really intense sleuthing because, you know, throughout season one, you had this Fulcrum character that was like giving Hera orders and was, you know, you had all these separate rebel cells, but this Fulcrum was this agent that was sort of connected to different people um, and would only speak via hologram, but it was just a hologram of their logo. And then this sort of like distorted, uh, you know, voice that you couldn't tell who it was. And I remember people posting audio clips on like Twitter and stuff where they were like going through like Adobe audition and, you know, all these audio editing programs and trying to like deprocess the voice and figure out who it was. And, you know, some people got it pretty close to Ashley Eckstein's voice. Um, It's funny because looking back now in retrospect, like that Fulcrum logo, like looks pretty similar to Ahsoka's markings. I'm like, I don't know how we didn't figure that out sooner. (laughs) Um, or, you know, why there was so much speculation on, you know, whether it was or wasn't, but, you know, I guess at that time, you know, we just weren't sure. Um, but then, you know, you get that reveal after that, uh, or at the end of the finale that, um, you know, Fulcrum is indeed Ahsoka Tano. We see her all grown up now an adult in the Rebels animated style. Um, and of course, in that same episode, we also get our first glimpse of Darth Vader showing up in Rebels. And so thus began the speculation um, though, I guess that wasn't even the beginning of the speculation because people had talked about ever since Clone Wars wanting to maybe one day see a grown up Ahsoka fight Darth Vader. Uh, but then seeing them show up in the same Rebels episode together really stoked that fire of people being like, When is the Vader Ahsoka showdown coming? Um, and boy, we I guess we didn't have to wait long because it came a year later, but that sure felt like a long year, didn't it? Right. Um, <laughs> Especially like then you go into season two of Rebels where they don't really meet in the premiere, but like, you know, they're they they sense each other through the force. They first become aware of each other's presence. And it's kind of a lighting of the fuse where, you know, uh, OK, we're setting this up for an eventual confrontation later in the season. Um, and then it was like it was like that was all I cared about. Like the rest of season two of Rebels, like every episode I was like, where are Vader and Ahsoka? Why are we off on these other adventures and stuff? Which And and season two of Rebels has some great stuff. Like, you know, especially rewatching it. I'm like, man, there's some good episodes in here that I maybe didn't give full credit at the time because I was just like, I want Vader and Ahsoka and that's it. Um, But, you know, obviously it's kind of a slow burn throughout the season. Um, But you get this whole kind of, almost mystery like we know who it is but ahsoka kind of going off and investigating and like trying to really determine who the identity of this sith lord is um and even though it seems pretty apparent from the first episode i mean the fact that vader goes oh the apprentice lives and then ahsoka screams and passes out you're like oh she just realized that's anakin um but then whether she's just in denial or sort of didn't get the full picture she's like you know doing a lot of sleuthing being like i need to really get to the bottom of this um i think maybe just hoping that it's not anakin but also Mm -hmm. like i need to be really sure before i you know fully buy into this 
that's how I always took it where it's almost like this can't be true. I have to prove that it isn't, or like I, I refuse to accept it. Like, like you said, kind of being in denial um, until that very last moment where it is confirmed and just, but man, what a moment that was uh, where Vader sent, where they sensed each other. I mean, I mean, we were fortunate enough to be at the premiere for season two at Celebration Anaheim uh, when that happened. And it, boy, this is being in a room with a bunch of other Star Wars fans just losing their minds at that moment where Vader just says that. I think it's now an iconic line, the apprentice lives. And just mm-hmm. hearing James Earl Jones say that was just so, so cool. But just knowing that uh, that was just a tease of what's to come between these two characters um, later on. But it was just great to get Ahsoka in the series, um, in the role that she played in Rebels. I think they did a really good job as far as you know, introducing her, having her in a few episodes spread out through the season. It wasn't like she was shoehorned to be part of the main ghost crew and that she was kind of taking over uh, the series where Rebels became the Ahsoka show. No, I just like they did a really good job of balancing, still having to focus on the main ghost crew and what they're doing now being part of a larger uh, Rebel cell, but also still dealing with that fact of Ahsoka being Fulcrum, but then her really trying to figure out um, if what she sensed is true with uh, Vader being Anakin. And we just got some great um, episodes with Ahsoka. I mean, the ones, uh, Children of the Force, um, or am I getting that? I think I'm getting that title confused with uh, the season two episode of Clone Wars, Children of the Force. Uh, but the one where she fights the Inquisitors for the first time, and we see her white lightsabers, which have now become her iconic white lightsabers. Um, and just seeing um, the growth that she did it just as a fighter with the lightsabers, um, just easily taking down those Inquisitors with no trouble at all. No trouble at all. And then, just um, as she learned from her experiences, she has that moment of meditation too, or uh, before she takes down the Inquisitors, um, where they're just being so aggressive and wanting to take her out. She uses that their aggressiveness to her advantage, um, being the one who's more uh, reserved and just not. Uh, brashly attacking them as she would uh, in her early days of the Clone War. So again, we're just seeing that they did such a great job of just showing the growth of the character becoming from um, a teenager into an adult um, and how she would be at this point in her life as uh, not obviously not a Jedi, but still taking the lessons she learned as a Jedi um, in this series was done great in Rebels. Um, so yeah, not only just the premiere and the finale which we'll get to but just the episodes in between where she's with Kanan and Ezra again just really showing how she became she's taken on more of that teacher role uh with both of them in several episodes over the course of the season I just thought were really well done yeah definitely that one where she fights the inquisitors is great and then um gosh I forget the name of the episode there's another another one that I'm thinking of that happens like three or four episodes before the finale. It's the one where she and Kanan and Ezra go into the Jedi temple on yes. and they all have their, their individual visions. Um, Shroud, and of darkness. That's the Shroud of darkness. That's it. Um, yeah. Shroud darkness. I was thinking steps into shadow. And then I was like, no, that's season three, I think. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, so of course that's where Ezra like communes with Yoda and learns about Malachor for the first time. Um, that's where Kanan has his vision where he fights the Grand Inquisitor and, uh, you know, then sort of like confronts his past and finally gets knighted as a Jedi Knight. Um, and then you have Ahsoka 
sort of seeing this vision of Anakin um, as Darth Vader and, and, you know, talking to her about like, oh, why did you leave? You know, do you know what I've become? And, you know, you could have prevented this if you if you'd stayed. And again, really kind of exploring her guilt and her denial and not wanting to believe that Anakin has become this thing. Um but also showing, you know, we, we talked about going back to Clone Wars and her decision to leave the Order and feeling like that was the right decision for her at the time. But seeing that all these years later, like, maybe that's something she still struggles with and wonders if she made the right decision. And, oh, yeah. you know, you wonder if maybe things could have been different if she had stayed. Um, of course, then we see, you know, she does reunite with Anakin um, at the end of the Clone Wars. But, um, yeah, it was just great to kind of explore her her sort of inner turmoil and her mindset and how she's feeling about all this. And it was, I mean, it's the first time in Rebels that we hear Matt Lanter's voice back as Anakin again. Um, and uh, just, man, I love any any connective tissue that we get where you kind of see Anakin and Vader in the same story. Like ever since, you know, Revenge of the Sith and we see him turn into Vader, but then you get these stories in like Rebels or obi-wan where you know you get like the damaged vader helmet with him speaking through it or even just sort of force visions where you know you're going back and forth from one to the other um is just you know it's i love that stuff um i mean anakin is my favorite star wars character and like i count darth vader as part of that um you know for anybody that tries to separate the two and be like oh yeah i love darth vader as a villain but you know anakin as a jedi like i see that as a different character or i just you know i don't like hayden christensen or the prequels or uh you know i i take obi-wan's point of view that like vader killed anakin and you know became somebody different or whatever like no it's just all it's all part of one epic tragic character arc um and i love getting just additional layers and glimpses into that so um yeah, that was a, a really great moment as well. And uh, something to really get us, you know, geared up for the finale and excited to see the conf uh, confrontation between those two. Um, and of course, also hearing Malincor for the first time, you know, as a KOTOR fan being like, oh my gosh, we're going to, you know, the, the Sith planet of Malincor. That's going to be crazy. So um, yeah, that was a great moment from season two as well. Yeah, man. Uh, a great lead into the finale, which again, I, I, mentioned this out on the Mandalorian season three finale, but how that lead up to the Twilight of the Apprentice episodes was like a hype level, almost like no other for a Star Wars TV show that mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll say it even like, even now as great as much as I love all the live action stuff. I mean, just the hype going into it, knowing that we were going to get the Ahsoka Vader confrontation that was teased in the premiere and just, what our wildest dreams were think about even during the clone wars of the potential what if ahsoka does see vader eventually if she survives order 66 and just the earliest days where she was announced as anakin's padawan just you're thinking will she ever see what happens to him become vader and just that excitement that it was actually going to happen in these next two episodes was just so much fun the excitement level was through the roof but i couldn't even prepare myself for how far that episode of their confrontation would exceed my expectations because it is just perfection done. I mean, you just can't get any better than what they did in that finale with their confrontation or the reunion, however you want to say it. But it just couldn't go down any better than what they did there. And it all goes back to this again, all that groundwork that was laid and what we experienced with Ahsoka in the Clone Wars that made 
that moment so special. And even as I've rewatched those episodes of the Clone Wars that I did just recently, um, just knowing what that leads to, like Mortis and their goodbye at the end of season five, where we know it's going to lead to that confrontation. It just makes the story, it's a tragic story, it's a sad story that, you know, that's what became of Anakin, but it's just such rich storytelling and just Mm -hmm. great character driven moments that we get here. I mean, this is some of the best character driven stuff ever in Star Wars. This confrontation they have, I mean, let alone the lightsaber fight, just their dialogue and interaction to each other was just amazing. Even before the end where um, so Anakin calls out, or I should say Darth Vader calls out <laughs> Ahsoka <laughs> by name, and that was the final thing, that the final confirmation that Ahsoka, I'm not going to say needed to hear, because obviously she doesn't want to hear that, but the final confirmation where she believed it to be true, and just how before the fight even started, that belief she had, we're like, there's just no way my master could ever, ever be as evil as you. Now that she's seen Vader in the flesh right there in front of her, just like, there's just no way. And just that shock and just that sadness that came over her when she realizes that, yes, that's Anakin. She sees Anakin's face behind that mask. And again, it's like, it makes me think of Obi-Wan too, just that expression of sadness that both her and obi-wan express when they see that their best friend or in her case her master her brother is behind that evil mask of vader he's in there it's just it's so painful for her to um, see and just express so beautifully in that moment um when she just says her name anakin and then just how she's determined to not do what she did in the season five finale again going back to what you were saying as far as her having that regret of she never should have left left him um when she starts feeling that vader could be anakin and just how she won't leave him like not this time and just uh (laughs) how anakin says you or vader just says you will die just showing that's the line that just makes you realize just how tragic this story is when you see the closeness they've had in those clone wars episodes the brother and sister relationship that they had, how Anakin would do anything to protect her. He would sacrifice his life in a heartbeat to protect Ahsoka. Then you get to this moment and just says that she will die. It's just, oh. I mean, well, and, and the most brilliant and gut-wrenching element of that, I thought, was the decision to have Matt Lander yes. voicing that. And to yeah. hear, I mean, first of all, how cool was it to have James Earl Jones back voicing Darth Vader and hear James Earl Jones like talking to Ahsoka. Um, (laughs) But then Uh. when she damages the mask and you see his face underneath, and again, you're talking about this moment where she finally sort of is forced to accept once and for all that this is Anakin. Um, You know, you, you, you see his face under that helmet, but then you hear the voice and like, I, I think he says Ahsoka, like, three mm-hmm. times where like first it's just James Earl Jones. Then it's like James Earl Jones voiced on like James Earl Jones and Matt Lanter kind of layered on top of each other. And then it goes to just Matt Lanter's voice coming out of the Darth Vader suit. Um, and it's his voice when he says, then you will die. And it's like, uh, like again, so tragic and sad, but such just good, rich storytelling. Um, forcing her to finally confront this reality that like, yes, this is my friend, my mentor, my master. 
Um, and it's even more tragic when we get to, you know, we'll, we'll talk later about Siege of Mandalore and her mm. confrontation with Maul and the lengths that she goes to to defend Anakin. Yes. Um, the fact that she's, you know, he says, join me and we can defeat Sidious together. And she's on board with it. She's willing to join him. And the one thing that makes it all fall apart is when he says that Anakin is Sidious is, you know, the key to everything. And he's going to turn to the dark side and help him destroy everything. And she's like, Anakin would never do that. You're wrong. Like, and the whole thing falls apart and she ends up fighting him instead. Um, and it's like the fact that she was willing to go to blows with somebody over the fact that Anakin Skywalker would never turn to the dark side and then having to confront, you know, hearing his voice coming out of this horrifying mechanical suit of this, you know, Sith Lord that has terrorized the galaxy and killed people and done all these horrible things. Um, it's just, Oh, such a, again, such a tragic, heart-wrenching moment, but such a dang good piece of Star Wars storytelling. Yep. And just as I said, how all those great moments between Anakin and Ahsoka helped enforce and make this moment so special. I think this scene between Ahsoka and Vader here might enforce some potentially great moments in the Ahsoka series uh, later on. So potentially, <laughs> potentially we'll see. Um Speaking of uh, things that might inform the live action series, one other great thing that we uh, didn't talk about from season two is the reintroduction of Captain Rex and the clones um, yeah. and getting to see Ahsoka and Rex's relationship and, you know, seeing um, the, the relationship that they've maintained over the years. We didn't even really talk about that with Clone Wars with sort of the bond that Ahsoka and Rex formed. Um, yeah, but now seeing... I'm ashamed of myself for not even bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, we'll talk about it more with Siege of Mandalore too, but, um, no, just, you know, getting to see the two of them reconnect after all these years with Ahsoka now being all grown up and Rex being old, but, um, you know, it was just great to see that relationship rekindled. And then, I mean, even you want to talk about gut punches, like seeing the sadness on Rex's face when yeah. they come back after Malachor and realizing that Ahsoka's not with them anymore, um, but yeah, maybe we'll get to see the two of them together in live action too. Um, but yeah, I mean, Twilight of the Apprentice is an all-timer. Like you said, just the hype leading up to that was just unreal. And not only the Vader confrontation, because that's only the last five minutes of that episode. But before that, it's a whole two episodes of her and Kanan and Ezra exploring Malachor, going through ancient Sith ruins and Sith temples and talking about mythology of like old battles between the Jedi and the Sith and then fighting Inquisitors. And then of course, Maul showing up again. Um, and it's almost like, like Maul gets more screen time in this, these episodes than Vader does. Yeah. And um, definitely, obviously the Vader confrontation is rightfully so, you know, hyped up and is, is a fantastic moment, but I almost feel like, um, I guess I don't feel this way as much now, but like the first few times that I rewatched this after it came out, like I, I remember every time I'd watch it, I go, man, I forgot how good the mall stuff is. And you know, how good the, the first episode is, you know, leading up to the Vader stuff. Um, so all of that stuff is awesome as well. Um, and of course, you, you know, we get sort of hints at a backstory between Maul and Ahsoka that we hadn't gotten to see yet at that point with the finale of Clone Wars that was never finished. But I think at that point, Dave Filoni had already kind of talked about it at Celebration. Um, I don't know if he had talked about it yet or if maybe that celebration in London that year in 2016 was after this Rebels finale, but... I think it was. 
And like, it was all around the same time that we started to get these teases of what could have been um, at the end of the Clone Wars and that there would have been some confrontation between Maul and Ahsoka on Mandalore. And then, you know, we got the, the Ahsoka novel that hinted at that some more and stuff too. So just seeing the two of them, um, I guess you can't even say reunited because, I mean, we hadn't even seen Maul and Ahsoka on screen together at that point. But, you know, getting an awesome story in Twilight of the Apprentice while also... Uh, hinting at and planting the seeds for another awesome story that we would eventually get with Siege of Mandalore. That was some great stuff too. Um, and then of course that, that showdown with Vader, just, you know, awesome lightsaber duel, awesome story moment, awesome, just tragic, uh, you know, character interactions and, and dynamics between the two of them. Um, and then once again, leaving off in kind of an ambiguous place where, yeah. uh, <laughs> You know, she helps Ezra and Kanan escape and then stays behind to fight Vader as this temple is collapsing and exploding and, you know, seems like the kind of thing that neither of them would make it out of. But of course, we know Vader's not going to die and we see him limping away, uh, injured, but very much still alive. And uh, and you're wondering, like, is that it? Is, you know, did Ahsoka die? And then, you know, there's this very brief shot at the end where you kind of see her in shadow, like walking down into the depths of malachor but it was like well what is that is that kind of is that like symbolic of her dying or is that you know is like what's she doing down there um and we had no answers for a while i think a lot of it too is like there was a lot of speculation going into it we knew she couldn't kill vader obviously and so i think people just assumed that vader was going to kill ahsoka um and I think especially after years of speculating that like she was going to die during Order 66 or that, you know, she was going to die before the Clone Wars movie or whatever. I think people had just been conditioned to expect that, oh, Ahsoka's got to die at some point, especially if she fights Vader. Like nobody walks away from fighting Vader. Um, and also, I mean, you know, I think there maybe is kind of an expectation with some of these characters that just, you know, their stories go on and all these different shows and mediums and stuff but like it's got to come to an end at some point right um and obviously now you know ahsoka's still alive and well and getting her own live action series and stuff and it's like how much longer are they going to continue on with her we don't know will we see the end of her story at some point maybe probably maybe not i don't know maybe maybe dave filoni wants to leave it just kind of nebulous and never actually have to kill off ahsoka but i don't know we'll see um Obviously, this ending of, of Twilight of the Apprentice was not the end of her character, but there was a lot of questions and speculation for the next two years. Um, a lot of Dave Filoni showing up at celebrations with Ahsoka Lives question mark t-shirts <laughs> that, you know, troll people with and then just never address it. Um, and then, uh, you know, of course, fast forward to season four of Rebels and we get the World Between Worlds, which uh, I think you like that episode, right? It's you, okay. you might have mentioned you might have mentioned that once or twice. <laughs> I need to rewatch it just to make sure. Yeah, no, that, you know, we we get uh, finally an answer to that question with um, Ezra reaching into that world, uh, you know, through the world between worlds, pulling her out, you know, saving her, um, and in like I like the way that they structured that because it's a very it's a very fine line, a very tricky thing to play with. Um, you know, I've talked about this before, how like, I like that episode a lot, but I, I'm very wary of them, you know, going to that well too many times. Um, and I just saw a video recently of like Dave Filoni explaining kind of how it worked and everything and how, you know, it's not time travel. Like it's just this connection point where all things are connected through the force, but still like if you're, 
if you're going through and saving characters that seemingly died or whatever, um, you know, that's definitely like dangerous territory. But it's like we never knew that Ahsoka died. We didn't know what happened to her at the end of that fight. Um, I think Kanan and Ezra assumed that she died. And so for Ezra to pull her out, um, it kind of was like him saving her. But at the same time, it wasn't changing anything that we already knew. Um, or it wasn't altering like a previously established storyline. And then they address that when he tries to then go and pull Kanan out. And Ahsoka's like, no, you can't do that. Because if Kanan doesn't die and sacrifice himself, then you die and then you can't be here. And, you know, of course, creating a paradox that you see with, you know, all these time travel stories and stuff. So, um, you know, I think, again, it's, it was very sort of precarious the way they did that. But I was like, okay, I like it. I'll, I'll let you get away with this one. Um, and I definitely liked it for, you know, the purpose of uh, bringing Ahsoka back kind of into the fold. Um, and again, it's not like Ezra rescued her from death because we never see, we never saw her die. It's just in, in the canon story, like, this is what happens to her. She's fighting Vader. The temple's about to collapse. It kind of explodes in his face so he can't really see what's going on. And then Ezra pulls Ahsoka through and she survives. So, um, you know, but and then, of course, she has her... her sort of journey in the worlds the world between worlds with Ezra as they're escaping from Palpatine who's trying to invade it um and then at the end of it uh you know she says I'll find you um and she goes back into her own world and her own timeline and that's when we see her you know descending down into the depths of Malachor so I am interested to see if in the Ahsoka series if we're gonna get any answers about how long was she on Malachor how did she get off like how did she get from there to where we've seen her since. Um, I also wonder, like, I, I still don't think that the Inquisitor um, that we see in the trailer and stuff that she's going to be fighting, I don't think that's the eighth brother, but if it is, like, did they, did he somehow survive on Malachor and then they ran into each other and, you know, have been having this rivalry ever since? Like, you know, is that somehow tied into it? So... Um, lots of, un, you know, still unanswered questions there from, you know, sort of the last time we saw her in Rebels to uh, how she got from there to where we, where she's at now. Um, but definitely another, uh, you know, just like we talked about with Mortis, um, you know, some weird mythical force stuff that we had never seen explored before and uh, definitely something that made a lasting impression on a lot of fans and something that was really unique and really cool. And now I know something that a lot of people are thinking we might get to see again in Ahsoka with just some of the iconography and stuff that we see on the logo and stuff like that. Um, and like I said, I don't, I don't know that we'll necessarily see her go into the world between worlds again. And I don't know that I even would necessarily want to see that, but I totally would be down for more of that type of storytelling, like just showing us new mysteries and aspects of the force that we haven't yeah. seen before is always something really cool. Yeah, I just add new layers to it. Just make it even more strange and weirder without yeah. necessarily going back there, but just expanding on it, I think would be great. Um, and yeah, it's just leading up to that episode. It just because I was, I never believed that she was dead. I mean, I felt they made it pretty clear in the final montage of Claudia of the of the Apprentice, where we see her going down that cat. I was like, yeah, that's Ahsoka. She somehow made it out of that fight but how did that happen so i never thought she was dead i just always wondered how she got out of that fight with vader how did uh, she survive and then i never would have expected the answer that we got <laughs> would be because 
Ezra pulled her out in the world between worlds in this place where just the force is in connection with everything. And it blew my mind then. And I just, even when I think about it, and as you were talking about it, I just think, man, it's just such a cool, unique way uh, to explain how she survived it yet. It all makes perfect sense when she does end up going back there. And like you said, it's not like Ezra's changing history or changing fate or anything like that. That was supposed to happen. That was always how she was supposed to get out of that situation and then put her back to where we eventually see her again uh, later on. But again, there's still more questions too. Like you said, like how does she get off Malachor and how long was she there for? Um, what does she do after that before we see her again in the Rebels uh, epilogue and this even in the Mandalorian too? So I really hope all that stuff gets answered. Maybe not all of it, but at least we could start uh, fitting the pieces together a little bit better in this time period of her life as far as um, when we saw her last in Rebels and then when we see her again in The Mandalorian. Um, because we know she's going to go through some more growth and changes as a character, as um, Dave Filoni talked about. Um, and Rosario, Rosario Dawson talked about it, too, in that Entertainment Weekly article. And I just love how they're bringing up the whole uh, Gandalf uh, comparison again of how her Rosario Dawson and Dave Filoni have had conversation of that kind of being um, the trajectory for the character kind of going through that Gandalf uh, transformation from Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White, which we got a preview of Ahsoka the White in the Rebels epilogue. But as I said in our trailer discussion, um, I'm preparing for that to be changed a little bit as far as when that happens. But I think it's still eventually going to happen is kind of, and obviously the goal they have set for the character to get to um, at some point. But um, yeah, just uh, seeing that for the first time just being such a trip and losing my mind, seeing the, the end outcome of her fight with Vader, um, how she survived and just um, getting to experience the world between worlds between with her eyes too and her kind of being um, in awe of everything. And also to again, uh, to be with Morai again too. And she's actually the one who saved Ahsoka too. And she was the one who was urging Ezra to do something in that moment uh, to get Ahsoka out of there. So um, Ezra can't get all the credit. Morai definitely has to uh, definitely played a part in saving Ahsoka as well, and she gets some credit also. So, um, but yeah, just getting to see all that stuff in that episode was great. Just another big moment for Ahsoka as a character when it comes to the Force and all just the crazy experiences she has um, dealing with it. Like you said, Mortis and now this experiencing stuff few uh, Force sensitive people I think could ever dream of, and just how um, it's just how she deals with it, I just think is uh, would be fascinating to explore. That's why I just hope there's elements of the Ahsoka theory that just really kind of dives into that. And just when it has to do with the force and that she just recalls all these uh, moments in her life that were uh, that shaped her life really. And just, as I said, experiencing things that I think few people actually do who have a connection to the force. So yeah, just more great stuff um, that, they did for a character in that world between worlds arc, revealing how she came out of that Vader fight and just again, expanding on just and introducing crazy new force ideas uh, within telling that story. I just love it so much. Yeah. I mean, that was a, a great um, sort of, again, answer to a big question that we had and uh, you know, adding new mysteries to the force, new, you know, next chapters to Ahsoka's story. And then, we get to the Rebels finale where, like you said, we see her as uh, sort of Ahsoka the White, as she's been dubbed, um, waiting to 
lead Sabine on this next phase of their journey to go save Ezra um, and go find him out wherever he is, which then is going to, you know, as we now know, lead into um, the Ahsoka series. Um, and yeah, I definitely don't think like that whole Ahsoka the White thing, I don't think we're going to see her like that at the beginning of the series when she goes off with Sabine. But I think over the course of this series, we still can see more of that progression where maybe she gets to that stage by the end of the show or something, or even maybe, maybe it's just more of sort of a metaphorical thing. Um, but like you said, they definitely addressed it in that article where it's like, she's wise and powerful and has a lot of experience, but still has, you know, there's like another level that she can get to like Gandalf going from Gandalf the great to Gandalf the white. So um, maybe we will see her, you know, in those white robes with the staff at some point, like at the end of the series, or just maybe that's sort of the ultimate goal for her character to sort of get to that point of being this wise sort of sage type character. Um, but yeah, again, you know, leaving again on, um, somewhat of a cliffhanger. I mean, I feel like the rebels finale was a really satisfying conclusion to the story of the ghost crew and their struggle to liberate Lothal and fight the empire and stuff. Um, but then, uh, you know, ending with sort of this cliffhanger of, Ez of Sabine and, and Ahsoka going off to find Ezra and just thinking, okay, we're definitely going to get that story at some point. Uh, I don't know when, I don't know how. And then of course with Disney plus and like, you know, we're going back to Clone Wars with the man, with uh, siege of Mandalore. And then we got the Mandalorian coming out and all this other stuff. It was just one of those things where it's like, I'm sure we're still going to get it at some point. I don't know when, I don't know how or what medium, but it was not something that was sort of like at the forefront of my mind. I was just kind of content to sit back and wait and enjoy all this other stuff first and get to that story when we got there. Um, but if you had gone back in time and shown me, you know, in 2018, after the Rebels finale aired, you know, if you could go back in time and show me this, the, the most recent Ahsoka trailer and be like, this is the continuation of that story. Uh, my mind would just be absolutely blown. Um, <laughs> right. Although it's funny because it seems like this is something that, you know, Dave Filoni has wanted to make happen for a long time. Like even before he was directing live action with the Mandalorian, like this is, I think something that he was just kind of biding his time, waiting for the right moment to be able to tell the story. Um, something else that uh, was in that entertainment weekly article, and I think maybe had been mentioned back at celebration too, but Lars Mikkelsen said that, uh, when he had his final voice recording session for Rebels as Thrawn, uh, Dave Filoni asked him if he had ever been out to L.A. Because I guess they recorded all of his stuff remote, you know, from uh, Denmark or wherever he lives. Um, and so, you know, as they're, they're remotely recording his stuff, Dave Filoni asked him if he'd ever been out to Los Angeles. And he said no. And Dave was like, well, let's see if we can make that happen. Um and, you know, Lars was just kind of like, okay, whatever, like didn't think much of it, but maybe thought Dave just wanted to meet him in person or something. And then he said, you know, a few years later, he gets the call to, you know, see if he wants to come out there and play Thrawn in live action. And he was like, oh, that's what he meant. You know, he's been sitting on this for a while. So, um, yeah, Dave knew all along, or maybe not from the very beginning, but, you know, he's he's had these ideas in the works for a while. And I think just, you know, been trying to work them in where appropriate you know put ahsoka in one episode of the mandalorian see how the fans react see if this would be a viable thing to have her in a live action show um but yeah i mean if you could go back and show this trailer to me heck when rebels ended or even back in the days of clone wars like you said when there was still sort of controversy around this character and people weren't sure if they wanted to accept her or not um 
to just see how far she's come and uh you know how how she's grown and changed over the years and just the the way that the love and acceptance for this character has grown to the point where now so many people are so excited to see her headlining her own live action Star Wars series is just it's crazy to think of um and it is kind of I don't know, almost validating in a way. Like, I, I definitely don't think you need a character from animation to appear in live action in order for them to be sort of a, a valid character. Like, I think the animated stuff is just as valid and is just as uh, good and sometimes even better than, you know, some of the live oh, yeah. action movies and stuff. I mean, you know, we know that. Like, as longtime fans of Clone Wars and Rebels, um, we know how good those stories are. And we know that those are, are valid Star Wars stories that can stand right alongside some of the best of the other stuff. But at the same time, you know, there's always people that either are going to look down on it because it's animation and think it's for kids, or they're just not going to pay attention to it, or they're, you know, not going to get around to watching it. And to see so many of those people now paying attention and going, Oh, uh, you know, I, I recognize this character, but I've never watched the show or people that are now finally going in and tuning in and, and watching the animated stuff to get ca caught up on the live action stuff. Um, because they're like, oh, I, I watched The Mandalorian and I love that show and I want to know who this Ahsoka person is. Or, I, you know, I see this new show that's coming up. I want to go back and watch the animated stuff to get caught up. And it's like, see, we told you guys all along yeah. that these were good <laughs> stories or that this was a, an interesting character that you should have been watching. So um, I've experienced that firsthand. <laughs> yeah. To see her now just sort of take center stage and get the spotlight. Like it is sort of just a... a vindication moment for those of us that have been fans fans of the character from the beginning when she wasn't as popular and these animated stories weren't as popular um and you know now that uh it's just kind of getting more attention it's like yeah see we were on this train from the beginning right. it's pretty crazy to think that not only has she become just a great character but she's become one of the greatest star wars characters ever um, she's right up there with like she's become an iconic character when in Star Wars now, and it's just kind of crazy to think about it as we were talking about in the beginning, being introduced to her in uh, the Clone Wars movie and just the reaction and the backlash that she got amongst fans, and now just to look that, like I said, not just a great character, but one of the greatest Star Wars characters that um, has ever been part of the saga. And it's just really cool to see over the course of how many years is it now 15 <laughs> since uh uh the clone wars uh, yeah was first 15 year anniversary of clone wars this year in oh. fact uh we're just a few days away from the 15 year anniversary of the clone wars yeah, you're movie. right <laughs> yeah you're absolutely that right. was that was august of 2008 i want to say august 10th maybe i don't remember the exact somewhere date, around there but uh yeah no, yeah august of 2008 so yeah, almost 15 years to the day. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to think that's that old, and I hate thinking about that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, just glad I've been there for the ride from the very beginning. Like I said, even though I wasn't a fan of the character at the start, it didn't take very long for uh, for me to start becoming a fan. And then just how she became one of the greatest Star Wars characters ever. It was just so cool to see over these last 15 years of that journey that she's been on and the journey that we've been on as fans following it um, over the course of these last 15 years because i mean it's great for when fans or those who maybe first saw her in the mandalorian and wanted to see more about her and kind of binge all the episodes um in a short period of time but i don't know i just think it feels a little more 
richer the experience, um, in my opinion, where you just kind of live through that long 15 years of just mm -hmm. with this character and seeing the development and the growth, uh, the questions, the waiting and wondering what uh, would become of her in certain situations and all that just played into just the fun journey that um, we've had and seeing her story unfold um, for this last 15 years. So it's just great. Um, that it's kind of all led to this moment with uh, the series happening in just a few weeks. It's yeah, yeah it's just so cool. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, and then of course, you know, after Rebels, a couple of years after the Rebels finale aired, uh, we got the Siege of Mandalore and Clone Wars season seven. And actually, if, before even that, I mean the the year. I mean, this is still one of my favorite memories as a Star Wars fan. And I know we've talked about this on the show before, but um just that san diego comic-con in july of 2018 after the finale of rebels um that also happened to be the 10-year anniversary of clone wars but it was also like star wars resistance was premiering that fall so rebels had just ended resistance was about to come out and the only star wars thing that they had at san diego comic-con that year was a 10-year anniversary of clone wars panel and i was like this is suspicious the fact that we're not getting <laughs> a rebels celebration or you know sort of recap of the final season of rebels um and we're not getting a preview of star wars resistance type panel no the fact that they're focusing on clone wars a show that's been off the air for a few years like they've got something up their sleeve like they're they're announcing something and for you know i feel like every one of the the previous celebrations where they had uh you know had clone wars panels and stuff dave had always had some new like unfinished cinematic reels or uh, you know concept art, or they had announced new like novels or comics or whatever for some of the unfinished stories. Um, but I was just like, like I was trying not to get my hopes up too high, but I was like, 10 year anniversary, is this when we're finally getting the Siege of Mandalore? Because by this point, I mean, he had talked about it so much. We had seen the concept art, you know, it had been referenced in Rebels, it had been referenced in the Ahsoka novel. Um, I don't remember if we had even seen like the unfinished cinematic at that point or animatic rather of, uh, you know, the scene with Ahsoka and the clones and the helmets or something. But like, you know, I know he had described it at that Celebration London panel and like had Ashley Eckstein in tears and everything. And it was it, that felt like one of those stories that like we got to get that eventually. Right. Mm -hmm. Like as a and I remember speculating about it on the show. Like, are we ever going to get that just as some unfinished or like as as the last few Clone Wars episodes or maybe at like as a TV movie or something like that. Um, and so I'll never forget, uh, you know, just seeing that trailer. Well, first I, I just remember being on my lunch break at work and, you know, following like the live tweets from that panel and, you know, people were pretty steadily tweeting, um, you know, just updates of like the stuff they were talking about. And they showed a lot of concept art and photos and talked about the journey of creating the show and everything. And then it was just like those last couple minutes. They're like, okay, panel's almost over, but Dave's got something for us first. And then it was just a couple minutes of silence. And then everybody, Clone Wars is back. There's more Clone Wars. Over. <laughs> and it was like the end of my lunch break that I had to go clock back in. And I was, it was, you know, the anticipation was driving me nuts. And so like, as soon as I could, I clocked back out for like a bathroom break and just went into the bathroom with my phone and saw that there was a new trailer and watched the trailer and was so ecstatic that we were getting new clone wars um and then of course you know a couple of years later we get the final season on disney plus with uh the bad batch arc and then the the ahsoka arc which i know is not a super popular one among people but i think it is an important one just sort of 
another important step on her journey showing uh, what life was like for her after leaving the Jedi Order and just the interactions that she had with people and how she sort of coped with, you know, her new life versus kind of struggling with her former life and seeing like the public perception of the Jedi. And I love the, um, just the interactions that she has with the Marta sisters where I guess by the end of it, like it's been a while since I've watched those episodes, but I think they realized that she used to be a Jedi. And then they tell her like, hey, I don't care what anyone says, like you're what a Jedi should be. Um, and I think that sort of realization, um, is what sort of leads her back to working with the Jedi in the Siege of Mandalore. And she even has, you know, interactions with Yoda in those episodes where you can tell, like, she's considering coming back. Um, because I think she still wants to be on, obviously on the side of good and doing the right thing and helping people, but, you know, using the force for good and stuff. And it's like, she wants to be sort of the the ideal that the jedi should be um it's like there clearly is like there's there's what the jedi sort of preach it's, it's like they're not they're not walking the the talk if you will um you know they have their their tenets and their ideals of like what jedi should be but then because of palpatine and the corruption of the republic and stuff like they've sort of become something else but it's like that ideal of what a jedi is supposed to be like ahsoka still wants to be that um and so I think, and I'm interested to see sort of how she's still grappling with that in the live action series too, especially in all the, the promotional material and stuff. And even in the Mandalorian, like they refer to her as a Jedi and she doesn't really correct them or anything. Um, but we know from her walking away in Clone Wars and then like she reiterates to Vader and Rebels says like, I am no Jedi. Um, and so I'm interested to see like at this point in her journey, like where is she with that? Like, does she consider herself a Jedi? Is she considering kind of going back to that? Um, you know, there's that line from Huang in the trailer where he says, like, perhaps it's time to begin again. And I wonder if, I don't know if that's specifically what he's talking about, but maybe part of that is Ahsoka's relationship to the Jedi Order. Um, if that's maybe something that she's considering, but, um, yeah, I just like how that sort of relationship is explored in those episodes. Um, and then of course we get the Siege of Mandalore to cap it all off the long awaited finale um, the answer to the long-standing question of how does Ahsoka survive Order 66, what happens to her and Captain Rex, you know, during those events of Episode 3. Um, and of course, it is just as, you know, every bit as emotional and harrowing and thrilling and action-packed as we could have hoped it would be. Um, and those final episodes, you know, absolutely delivered. I still wish, you know, there's a part of me that... Uh, wishes I could go back in time and change things so that Clone Wars never got canceled. So we would just get that at the end of Clone Wars when we were supposed to, because I feel like as incredible as those episodes are, I think they would have been even better if we didn't know that she survived into Rebels and, and that Rex didn't mm -hmm. survive into Rebels. And it just would have added that much more tension, like not knowing the fate of these characters. Um, but still, you know, obviously things are the way they are. And I'm still just glad that we were able to finally get that story after all these years. And they just, absolutely knocked it out of the park delivered everything we could have hoped for and uh i think i think siege of mandalore was what really solidified it for me as like oh man like ahsoka is absolutely like among my top five favorite star wars characters at this point yeah, it seems every time there's a big question that we or suffer wondering about with ahsoka and her a point of her life in the story they always exceed expectations with telling that story. <laughs> and you're right. The Seeds of Mandalore was no exception as far as 
finding out the, what she was doing during the events of Revenge of the Sith, and of course um, how she dealt with Order sixty six, how her and Rex dealt with that, and just uh, like I said, delivered on every level, just hitting all those right emotional beats, and just showing, as you mentioned in the previous arc, just how Ahsoka really embodies what a Jedi should be. And I said this before, how one of my favorite aspects of it is how she she did try as best as she could not to take down any of the clones that she was trying to hold off and fight back against. Um, and as Rex tells her, like, those men are willing to die to bring you in. She goes, yeah, but I don't want to kill them type of uh, scenario where she wants to avoid that in any way possible. And I just love her really showing that part of her character and as a Jedi who should value all life and as far as um, to do whatever they can not to take it from it, no matter what or how dire the situation will be. And yeah, this seeing her really, her and Rex's relationship um, really um, come to fruition here as far as really showing that closeness that all they've been to together as well. I mean, she's uh, every time she was with, uh, doing something with Anakin, Rex was likely there too, being uh, part of the 501st Legion that Anakin was commanding. So uh, she has just as much um, experience and uh, just like forming that bond with Rex, probably not as close as Anakin, but um, not too far behind, if you were to ask me. And then just that moment they have to, together where she pulls off uh, his helmet and Rex is uh, shedding a tear for what's going down. And just uh, as how Ahsoka just assures him that, that, you know, he's a good soldier, a good man. And just that... Um, Really, that adds to that moment, too, in Rebels where they get reunited for the first time. It just makes mm -hmm. that even more special, too. And then just seeing them work together um, as a Jedi and a, as a clone trooper, it just made for some amazing action when they're fending off um, all the clones. As as formidable as those odds were as far as to get out of there alive, they were able to do it by they work, the way they work so well together. And then you just get to that um, emotional ending of the series without any dialogue, just the great score by Kevin Kinder with Ahsoka burying all the dead clone troopers and putting those uh, stakes up with their helmets on them and then tossing her lightsabers on on the ground. Just really, at that point, moment anyway, just really wanted to be done with it. Um, done with being a Jedi, done with fighting. As we learn more in the Tales of the Jedi short, um, that that's where her mindset was at after that. And who could blame her for feeling that way after everything she's been through? Um, during the Clone Wars, fighting for what she believed in and have it all kind of be taken away and realizing it was all just based on a lie in a war that should have never even been, never should have happened. And just the loss of life and the toll it took on so many of the people that uh, she loved uh, was all almost all for nothing, really, because of what happened. And that's obviously um, more hard truths would come later on, as we talked about in Rebels with Anakin uh, becoming Vader. But um, it couldn't transition any better once we got to that um, end sequence with Vader finding her lightsabers and then Morai showing up again <laughs> to Vader during that moment. So even though we knew um, what would happen with these characters in Rebels later on, it was just so great. Again, doing things, telling the story so beautifully in a way we wouldn't even expect, but it's done to perfection and you couldn't end the series um, and that part of Ahsoka's life any better than how they did in the Siege of Mandalore was how that ended. And then just um, setting up to what we eventually see in Rebels. But as far as the Clone Wars goes and that era, that part of her life, it couldn't end any better for what we were speculating on as far as 
how did she survive Order 66 and what was she doing in the events of Revenge of, Revenge of the Sith? Those questions were answered beautifully in that finale. Yeah, absolutely. And man, that final shot of Vader walking away and seeing his reflection fading in the visor of a buried wrecked clone trooper helmet painted with Ahsoka's face markings is just yeah. freaking art right there. Like, yeah. that's ridiculous. Um, yeah, like you said, it gave us everything we wanted and more and, you know, just tugged on your heartstrings in ways that we, you know, never would have expected. I mean, that scene you talked about too with uh, when she takes off Rex's helmet and you see a tear rolling down his cheek. Um, and you know, he's just so distraught over like seeing what's become of his brothers and the way that they're now, you know, turned against him and trying to kill them and just being manipulated. And like, he knows that that's not what they would want. Or, you know, it's like, these aren't like, these are the same guys that I've fought beside for this whole war, but it's like, this wasn't their choice. And, you know, just seeing how kind of torn up he is about it and the way that Ahsoka responds and, um, yeah, like I was, like I said, I was just watching these episodes this past weekend, and that one still, you know, hit me all over again. Um, but also uh, the the extra layers of depth that are added to it now, having Tales of the Jedi and the mm-hmm. Ahsoka episodes <laughs> in uh, in that episode in that series, especially the one where you see her training with Anakin and the clones, um, and Anakin being a really sort of harsh teacher on her, but showing that he it, like it's because he cares so much. Yep. And he runs her through these training drills with the clones. I mean, first you see her kind of demonstrating at the Jedi Temple in front of all these masters and stuff. And she's doing these drills against, you know, practice remotes that are programmed to emulate battle droids. And, um, you know, she kind of passes this test flawlessly and Anakin's not impressed. And he's like, you know, it's too easy. Like it's, you know, droids are predictable. Like you got to be prepared for anything. And he has her start training with the clones because they're, you know, free thinking and less predictable. And, um, you know, has them shooting at her with sunblast and she keeps getting knocked out time and time again. And again, you're thinking like, man, this is a lot for him to be putting this, you know, teenage girl through, like he keeps getting her knocked unconscious and stuff. Geez. Um, but then again, I love that heart to heart conversation that they have where he's like, the best way that I can protect you is to, to teach you to protect yourself. And like, I really just want you to be prepared for anything out there. Uh, you know, and Rex and these clones, like they're the best of the best. And if you can fend off them, you can fend off anything. Um, and really, you know, already at that young age, trying to prepare her for the time when like, he's not there, you know, it's like, I'm not always going to be around to protect you. So I got to teach you to be self-sufficient and protect yourself. And then to see her, to go from that to then seeing her, uh, in, you know, order 66, like fighting off those same clones, um, And the tragedy of knowing that Anakin, who loved her and cared about her so much and taught her all these things, is now off slaughtering other Jedi at the same time that this is happening. But that those lessons and, you know, the the good that he had at the time and, you know, his good intentions for her and everything still sticks with her. And that she's able to survive that situation because of him and because of the training that he gave her. Um, But, you know, to just see her doing the the same thing, fighting those same clones, but in a life or death situation, it just adds that much more, uh, you know, sort of depth and tragedy to it. Um, Of course, there's, you know, a couple other great episodes in that where we see uh, sort of her very beginnings as a baby and, you know, her her Togruta people um, kind of discovering her force sensitivity for the first time and realizing from a very young age that she's going to grow up to be a Jedi 
Um, and then going to that story, uh, you know, that takes place after the siege of Mandalore um, and kind of showing her grappling with the aftermath that kind of is in a way a, a just sort of condensed version of the Ahsoka novel, but still some great moments in that episode as well. Um, showing her first trying to just sort of be in hiding and, and not want anything to do with being a Jedi and not wanting to fight or be noticed or anything. And then um, realizing that, you know, she can't stay out of it forever and that she's better off still trying to fight and help people. And she teams up with Bail Organa and sort of the beginning of where we end up seeing her in Rebels with being Fulcrum and helping the Rebellion and everything. So, um, yeah, Tales of the Jedi also was... Uh, just some great extra little tidbits and glimpses at different yeah. parts of Ahsoka's life that just added even more sort of depth and nuance to her, her character journey. Yeah, I'm so glad we got those shorts. I mean, like you said, there's little things that just add so much. I mean, just even the fact of knowing that she was at Padme's funeral in Revenge of the Sith, I just think it's just so cool. And this it feels so right, too, that uh, she just tells Bill Organa, like, she was my friend. So, of course, she would want to try to make an effort to be there despite obviously having to be in hiding as well so there's little things like that it's just so great uh, and i'm just so glad that we got those episodes uh, for tales of the jedi so yeah just adding more <laughs> great layers to what's already uh, just a great story for the character yeah definitely um <clears throat> and then of course she shows up in live action um and actually, I guess technically she showed up in live action before Tales of the Jedi, but I figured I'd throw that in there just as <laughs> we were talking about the end of the Clone Wars. But um, yeah, then, you know, The Mandalorian comes out. Season one's a big hit. Uh, and we start hearing rumors that season two, we might get more familiar characters like Ahsoka and Boba Fett showing up. And this is where sort of this whole journey began with Rosario Dawson, where... Um, you know, a couple of years previous, there had been some fan art going around of her as the character. And I guess she had already seen Clone Wars and liked the character. And so she retweeted that fan art and Dave Filoni saw it. And, you know, one thing led to another. And next thing you know, here she is showing up as Ahsoka in uh, that episode of season two of The Mandalorian. Um, which was, I mean, I still love that episode. I actually rewatched that recently as well. Um, and I think that's still you know, uh, just a really great story. Um, and it's funny because that one also, like, there was a little bit of, um, I don't know if I'd say controversy, but, like, maybe not everybody universally loved it because there was a lot mm -hmm. of talk about, uh, like, little nitpicky things, like the length of her head tails and things like that. And, um, you know, is this a character that we should be bringing to live action? And then, of course, with, you know, the Ahsoka series, like a lot of people, I know even still some people would prefer to have that story continued in animation. Um, but I think just seeing her in live action alongside all these other characters for the first time was just, for me, was such a cool moment. Again, seeing those white lightsabers, I mean, I'll never forget watching that episode for the first time, knowing that Ahsoka Tano is going to show up in this episode at some point. Um and I mean, I think, again, because of leaks and rumors and stuff, like we knew it was coming. But even in that third episode, like where Bo-Katan tells him, tells Mando to go find Ahsoka for the first time, just hearing like hearing that name drop uh, at first was crazy. Um, and then, you know, again, getting to that fifth episode and like I was assuming that 
most of the episode was going to revolve around Mando trying to get to Ahsoka. And then we'd mm-hmm. maybe see her just at the end, like, especially because Bogotan said it was, you know, a city on a forest planet or something. And I'm thinking like, oh, is Ahsoka going to be this Jedi, like, you know, meditating in a tree hut or something. And Mando has to go on a journey to find her. And then she imparts some wisdom on, you know, how to train Grogu or something like that. And no, 30, <laughs> you know, 30 seconds into the episode, she's coming on screen, lightsabers blazing, fighting people, you know, moving between the trees, being this, you know, mysterious warrior. And, you know, obviously you could tell the uh, the samurai movie influence that Dave was drawing from, um, you know, as an homage to like the Kurosawa films and stuff that inspired George when he was making the original Star Wars. So, um yeah, it was just a uh, a pleasant surprise. Um, and then, of course, we get, you know, she's the one that names Grogu for the first time. Um, so we get some nice, you know, sort of quiet, intimate, like, character moments and stuff and, and stuff with her sort of meditating and being deep in the force and all that, along with uh, just the cool action stuff. But I thought right from the get-go, like, Rosario Dawson nailed the performance. I thought, for the most part, like, the look was good. I think they've made it even better for the Ahsoka series from, you know, what we've seen from the trailers and stuff. Um, but, yeah, like, for a first showing, I think it was solid. Um, definitely, you know, a, a great episode and a great sort of live-action live, live action introduction for the character. And I think just a great springboard for... Uh, where we're going to see her go from here. I think, you know, they almost set it up as just sort of a one-off episode where you could kind of do this like samurai story and you had the the magistrate there and everything. And then at the end you find out Ahsoka, you know, is after her because she's looking for Thrawn. Um, you know, just this little name drop that obviously is going to turn into something big in the series. But even the fact that they're now like bringing Morgan Elsbeth back and she seems like she's going to be a main villain for this series as well. Um and it's like, oh, there was there was more going on in that episode than we realized at the time. Um, so, you know, I like I like the way that they just sort of planted those little seeds. And I can't wait to see what everything sort of blossoms into in its own series. But um, yeah, it was just it was one of those moments, again, as a longtime fan of Clone Wars and Rebels, where you just kind of sit there pinching yourself going like, man, I'm watching Ahsoka Tano in live action right now. Um, and again, I thought. Like from the get go, I thought Rosario Dawson just nailed the performance and uh, can't wait to see her continue just growing and expanding that role. Yeah, I agree 100%. It was just such a memorable moment <laughs> as a Star Wars fan seeing Ahsoka in live action for the first time. And even though we knew she was going to be in it, um, it was I was also glad too that we didn't see like how she was going to look until we saw the actual episode and just see how she was going to be translated from animation to live action and just immediately like you said when she we see her in those first few seconds she ignites those lightsabers i was like yep they nailed it (laughs) this looks great already and i just can't believe what i'm seeing and it's obviously a different ahsoka especially at this uh point of the timeline um where she is going to be kind of different have a different outlook on things so um i just felt but it felt natural to me where um, i wasn't seeing a different character but just a character in a different state right now um and it's being told in live action and it was just i just thought very well done i couldn't not be happier with how ahsoka was first introduced into live action with uh, the jedi episode of the mandalorian and like you said more uh big revelations happen here uh through ahsoka like her connecting with uh, grogu and uh being the first one to tell us uh that 
the child's name is Grogu uh, was such a big deal at that point too. And just kind of her going back, talking about Master Yoda, the Jedi Temple, and then just her even when she's refusing to train Grogu and just how she senses all that fear in him and just knowing what that can do to even like the most gifted of Jedi. Obviously we know who she's talking about there Mm -hmm. and it was just great. So that's like kind of the stuff I'm hoping for in the series too, where I'm talking about little mentions and callbacks to Mortis and the world between worlds. If they're not going to go full blown into that, like I'm really hoping, but if we just get little callbacks like that from Ahsoka, just recalling certain things from those experiences that she had, that would be great. Um, It's kind of similar to what she did here um in this in her first live action appearance here but yeah it was just uh, a star wars moment i'll never forget i think we even like texted each other right after it ended just saying like wow or like <laughs> like they did it type of thing it was just really cool uh to experience that uh right away because i remember it aired on uh the thanksgiving uh weekend so i was able to stay mm-hmm. up till midnight to watch that one <laughs> i was like they couldn't have picked a better episode to air during this week than for me to be able to stay up for <laughs> to see the live action debut of Ahsoka because it did not uh, disappoint and just made me really anxious to hopefully see more live action Ahsoka because we didn't know for sure just yet if we would but uh, thankfully it wasn't too long because later that same year is when it was announced that uh, she would be getting her own series but yeah it was just mm-hmm. a great debut that I think felt seamless in her transition from animation into live action yeah definitely I mean I think at that point just the fact that she name dropped Thrawn mm-hmm. said to me, like, this is not going to be the last time we're seeing her because this is, you know, there's got to be more to that story. Um, and I think it was only like a couple weeks later that they had that big investor call or whatever, where they uh, announced all the upcoming stuff and we got confirmation yeah. that Ahsoka was getting her own series. It's been fun too, though, to see just the way that the sort of expectations for that show have evolved over just the past couple of years. Because again, at first, like we saw Ahsoka in live action and then they announced that she's getting her own show. And I'm thinking, okay, kind of like an Ahsoka spinoff of the Mandalorian. We'll just see Ahsoka headlining her own show. Um, And, you know, we got little tidbits over the years of Dave talking about, oh, it's a, a samurai adventure and stuff like that. And still you're thinking like kind of solitary Ahsoka Tano show and it's like okay cool like I like Ahsoka I'd like to see her you know get her own show or go off on her own adventures whatever and you know to where we're at now where it's like no this is a full-blown like the show is called Ahsoka and I know that you know they've said that first and foremost this is Ahsoka's story but like we've got Hera we've got Sabine we've got Thrawn and a whole handful of other villains um and it's like this is gonna be a big like star wars adventure like this is to me this is like the next big star wars thing oh yeah no um, question <laughs> you know and and like i mean we'll have to see obviously for the show like just sort of how big the scope of it is but just in terms of sort of the the scale of the story and like the number of different locations and planets and stuff that it looks like we're going to be going to and the number of characters involved like i think this is going to be probably the biggest just like the the biggest star wars project in terms of scale since like the sequel trilogy um because and obviously like i love mando but it tends to kind of be these smaller stories that are just focused on you know mando and grogu going to one planet at a time season three took some bigger swings with you know sort of dealing with uh the mandalorians as a group and seeing more of the new republic and the empire and stuff like that but i think ahsoka is going to go even bigger than that um 
so yeah, it's like, you know, we've gone from, oh, cool, Ahsoka spinoff to, oh, no, this is like the next big chapter of Star Wars that just happens to have mm -hmm. Ahsoka sort of headlining it. So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited. But also, you know, I mean, we got her showing up again briefly in the Book of Boba Fett um, in uh, the episode where, you know, Luke is training Grogu and she's talking to Mando about um, Grogu and his training and everything. Um and, you know, it was kind of a, a brief appearance in that episode, but I I loved her performance in that episode. Um, and just the mannerisms and everything felt like, it was like, as I, as I was watching it, I'm just like, that's Ahsoka. Like, and I'm not sure if there were specific, thi specific things that Rosario Dawson was emulating from the animated series and stuff, but just in, again, like her, just her movements and little subtle mannerisms and things that she did while she was talking and stuff, it was... You know, just just little things that made it feel like that's definitely that character. Um, and then, of course, we also get, you know, a brief conversation between her and Luke in that episode as well, um, which makes me wonder, like, yeah, obviously, it's our first time seeing them together. But, um, you know, was that their first meeting or will we see their first meeting maybe in the Ahsoka series or, you know, will we see more of them together? So that's definitely a, a relationship that I'd like to explore more of as well. That was such a mind-blowing moment for me as well. Like I said, it was a short appearance, but a real impactful one was just seeing her with Luke. I mean, we're talking about how when she was first introduced and we were speculating, oh, well, we see how she survived Order 66. Will she ever confront Vader down the line? But I don't think any of us would ever would consider that we'd actually see her with Anakin's son, Luke. And that was just no a sight to behold. And just, man, it was just, it was a magical experience. Like that was like the word that came to my mind throughout that entire episode of just not only um, her uh, interacting with Luke, but then Luke training uh, Groku and how the steps of seeing him as a, as a teacher too, there's just that whole experience was just so special. And Ahsoka was a big part of that, of seeing her with, the son of Anakin Skywalker was something I wouldn't have thought in a million years that we'd get. And the potential for that to go even further in the Ahsoka series, I just really, really hopeful that that will be the case. But yeah, because it was great. And just, I would love to be there for every conversation that Luke and Ahsoka have. Just Ahsoka sharing her stories for Luke to know about his father in ways that um, he never could get from anyone else, probably. So um, probably won't get so much of that in the Ahsoka series, but even further down the line, whether it's comics, novel, or even some Tales of the Jedi shorts of just Ahsoka telling Luke about uh, Anakin, I just I just want to have more of that now that we know they do meet and they do know each other. Like, that's just um, more potential for some great uh, storytelling moments with these characters as well. So that was just a great thing to experience in the Book of Boba Fett for that episode and just... Um, the last time we saw her up until we get uh, in live action anyway, till her new series. But um, what a what an appearance that was. And uh, even though it was short, it was short but sweet. Yeah, definitely. Um, of course, at the the end of that, you know, their last interaction, Luke says, "Will I see you again. And I think Ahsoka just says, perhaps. And then says, mm -hmm. may the force be with you. And so maybe that's, you know, kind of hinting at like, oh, yeah, we might see each other again in my show. Yeah, um, <laughs> I really hope so. <laughs> I hope so too, especially because again, like I really have a hard time believing that we're not going to see Han, like Luke and then probably also Han and Leia in the, the, the movie. 
um, you know, the movie that I want to keep calling Heir to the Empire, because at this point, I'm just assuming that's what they're going to call it, but I could be wrong. Um, but it's like, might we get any of those characters appearing briefly in the Ahsoka series to kind of set that up? So, um, you know, as much as I love Ahsoka and Mando and everything, it's like if you're going to have a big galaxy scale threat like Thrawn coming back with an Imperial remnant to try to take down the New Republic, it's like, how could you not have Lucan and Leia involved in that story somehow? So, um, yeah, we maybe we'll see that, you know, more of that relationship sooner than later. I certainly hope so. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been an incredible journey for the character um, from where we started off uh, with her to seeing, you know, where she's at now and where she's going to be in a few weeks with the series. Of course, we've talked about uh, Rosario Dawson and her performance. I feel like we haven't given enough props to Ashley Eckstein and, uh, you know, her performance in voicing Ahsoka and kind of just establishing that role and everything that she's done over the years to, um, you know, again, just, just sort of, uh, embody that character and bring her to life and also to just sort of be an ambassador to the fans and, um, you know, creating her universe and all this kind of stuff and just being a, a great, um, just sort of, uh, beacon, I guess, in the Star Wars fandom. Um, but like, you know, we even we got to meet her and James Arnold Taylor at Phoenix Fan Fusion recently. And, you know, they're both just absolutely fantastic. I love that there's also a quote about uh, Ashley in the Entertainment Weekly article. Um, and I think it's maybe Rosario Dawson talking about her, but she talks about how, you know, Ashley came to visit on set one day while they were making Ahsoka. And it mentions her like, gleefully prancing through the mud in like sparkly tennis <laughs> shoes or something. Yeah. And I'm like that I can picture that perfectly. Like Ashley is just so, you know, happy and bubbly all the time and, um, you know, just such a joy. And so I'm, you know, definitely uh, grateful for everything that she's brought to, uh, you know, the fandom and just these stories and the character of Ahsoka all these years, it definitely wouldn't be the same without her. So um, yeah, without question. Yeah, it's definitely been quite the ride. And, uh, you know, this character has come a long, long way in terms of just her her growth and her development and the, the number of different stories we've seen her be a part of and the way that she's become loved and accepted by the fans over time. And uh, just can't wait to see where we go with her next. Yeah, what a journey for the character and what a journey for us as Star Wars fans to as we mentioned several times on this episode, just seeing the character grow and just how she became one of the greatest Star Wars characters ever over uh, the span of time for, since she was first introduced in the Clone Wars. It's just been a heck of a lot of fun, that's for sure. And I think um, some of the best is still yet to come. And we got some truly iconic moments with Ahsoka over the course of the different series she's appeared in. I think we're definitely going to get some more <laughs> in the upcoming live action series. So it's oh, just, absolutely. So awesome that we're at this point where she is getting her own uh, TV series, and it's just amazing to think about. As we as we mentioned, just um, almost like from humble beginnings, so to speak, <laughs> with the mm -hmm. Clone Wars movie, and now just to where we're at now, it's just really cool to see uh, her story unfold, kind of both in the Star Wars universe, but then just also in real life in the Star Wars fandom, just seeing how uh, the story for Ahsoka has unfolded on both fronts in a, in a positive way yeah definitely um yeah it's just been it's been a joy to watch it's been 
you know, a heck of a ride, especially even, you know, the, the ups and downs at times, not just of the reception of the character, but, you know, we talked about all the big unanswered questions that we had at certain points, you know, times when we weren't sure if we were ever going to see her again. Um, and, you know, to all of that, you know, leading to where we're at now. It's funny because it almost brings back the the line that Maul says, where it says, every choice you have made has led you to this moment. Right. <laughs> um, and this does kind of feel like a big culmination moment of, you know, everything we've seen Ahsoka go through up to this point. Um, but yeah, I just, I can't wait to, to get to see her headline her own show, to get to see a new generation of Star Wars fans, you know, really fall in love with this character and, uh, just get a whole, um, whole bunch of exciting new stories with her and then see what those stories lead to next. You know, there keeps being talk about like, oh, this is only one season for now, but if the fans love it and if it does well, like, you know, could we do a season two or is it going to lead right into the movie or where does Ahsoka go from there? Like, I don't know. I love the fact that Rosario Dawson keeps saying, like, uh, you know, as long as Dave wants to keep telling stories with this character and as long as they want me around, like, I'm in it. I want to keep doing it. You know, she loves being a part of this. So, um, yeah, it doesn't seem like uh, like we're going to be done with this character anytime soon. And I'm totally OK with that. Even from having, like, I've never been, you know, sick of Ahsoka or anything, but like, you know, there were times when like, we thought that her character was going to end with the end of the Clone Wars, or we thought maybe that her fighting Vader and Rebels was going to be the end of the character. And, you know, just, again, you know, times where there was speculation, like, oh, well, she's got to die at some point, right? Like, when's that going to happen? And now it's like, you know what, as long as Dave wants to keep telling stories with Ahsoka, and as long as those stories keep being as great as they have been, um, I don't care if they keep her around for a long, long time. So the more the merrier. Yep. We'll be there to see Absolutely. all the stories they want to tell with Ahsoka. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think that's just about uh, you know, a good place to wrap up on our discussion about just the the journey of Ahsoka Tano and kind of all our favorite moments with the character. But I know you put out a question on social media for the listeners asking what uh, some other people's favorite Ahsoka moments were as well. So uh, what kind of responses did we get from that? Yeah, so we got a couple. Uh, first up, from uh, the Jay Bizzle. Um, he says, I love the smaller episodes as much or even more than the huge epic arcs. Lightsaber Loss is one of my favorite episodes for sure. Also, her previous stint in the Jedi Archives with Jocasta New. Ahsoka is such a great listener and absorbs much from her elders. Love it. Totally agree with you on that one, Bizzle, with those smaller episodes being some of the best moments. And then, not really a Soka-related question, but a question that only Dane can ask us, as he usually does. He goes, I've got a question that kind of has to do with Ahsoka. Why is the plural for Jedi just Jedi, but the plural for Padawan is Padawans? <laughs> and I don't know if you could answer that, Kyle, but my instant reaction was from the Monty Python and the Holy Grail movie, where you got the bridge keeper who gets stumped on the question, and he goes, I can't, I don't know that. And he just flies <laughs> off the bridge. That's, that was pretty much my <laughs> reaction to that. Yeah, I mean, how come the plural of moose is moose, but the plural of goose is geese? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, Galactic Basic is just as confusing as English. You'd think it would be, but yeah, Galactic Basic is, yeah, it doesn't make sense sometimes, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the plural of Jedi is Jedi's, according to half the internet that spells it wrong. So, wow. um, <laughs> really, I don't see too much of that, but maybe I feel <laughs> I like I see that it, a but... decent amount. But, um, yeah, pl Jedi plural is just Jedi. Maybe um, that'll be one of the questions that get answered in uh, James Mangold's uh, 
movie with the origins. <laughs> They're all standing around. What do we call each other? Okay, now what do we call all of us as a group? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> see, now, now I want that to happen. That, that's a question that must be answered. Uh, see, I feel like that would be a better question for like a Monty Python type spoof than, <laughs> you know, a serious. I can't see that happening in a, in James Mangold's biblical epic right. in Star Wars. <laughs> um, uh. But yeah, I don't know. That, that's not on my list. That's not high on my list of questions that I think will ever be answered in canon anytime soon. But um, yeah, no, but thank you guys for chiming in. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you out there are just as invested in the character of Ahsoka as we are and just as excited to see her series debut in just a few short weeks. Um, this will probably be our last episode before we do our review of the, the series premiere. So um, if we don't talk to you guys before then, I hope you all enjoy the heck out of the premiere. I'm certainly, you know, anxious with excitement and can't wait to see it and can't wait to get back on here and talk with all of you guys about it. Um, but in the meantime, uh, as always, you can uh, follow us on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now uh, at Star Wars TSC. Uh, we're also on Facebook uh, and uh, you can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. Check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com and leave us a review on iTunes or I guess it's not called iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever, yeah. <laughs> um, or Spotify or Amazon or wherever you're listening to us. Uh, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you next time. And as always, may the force be with See you next time, everybody. <laughs>